10 pence arcade podcast is sponsored by Retro Games Party. Get out of emulation and into the arcade with Retro Games Party. Arcade game hire for public events and private parties. With three regular community-led meetings throughout the year, there ain't no party like a Retro Games Party. Visit their website at www.retrogamesparty.co.uk and get involved. The 10 pence arcade podcast is a proud member of the Retro Junkies Network and Throwback Network. Hello, welcome to the Ten Pence Arcade Podcast. Uh, my name is Victor Marland, aka Vertvic, and I'm Sean Holly, aka In Your Face. Sean Holly, how you doing, Vic? I'm really good, actually. I've been oh. bad, and I'm better. And <laughs> today, I'm really happy. <laughs> Why we, is that? Well, we are. Well, you know. Well, we'll go about that later <laughs> on. Anyway. So, uh, what have you been up to since ages ago? Since I was last in Manchester, I believe, before we when we recorded last. Oh, last couple of weeks, I mean, um, a lot of things going on, really. Um, been to the arcade club, of course. Of course you have. Why wouldn't and, you? Yeah, and since the TV show. Arcade club was recently featured on BBC's Collectaholics. The last two weeks, it's been rammed. I bet it has. I it's been it has. really good. It's like going back in time, you know, there's like uh, fag ash and fights and curry and children running around and games being thrown no actually no and kid, no, it's, kids on roller boots yeah it's really good though it's a great atmosphere last night it was just like uh, i think someone put on facebook it's like going back to the 80s it Excellent. was great well when yeah. i went last with you or when i was in manchester that was a couple of weeks before that was shown maybe yeah. and you said it was the quietest there's ever been in there but there's still loads of people in there yeah, they always get a good crowd. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was yeah. pretty good, actually. You said, no, no, this is the lowest it's been for a while. So, mm, bloody hell. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Um, also, I've been playing the two games. That I've been playing Lime Bertie, which is Green Beret, what yes. we call, and Rapid Hero on the Retro Gamer Forum Shoot 'em Up League. And oh, I'm not, Rapid Hero. I haven't put a lot of time into it, and I've just looked at the scores because they come out today, mm-hmm. and I am ninth out of 14 players. So it's not in your face anymore, is it? It's, it's in my face. Is that right? Yeah. Yes, it's in tram- my trampled face. on your face. I've just not put the time into it, and it shows, you know, you've got to put the time in. Because some of the guys on that forum, there's four guys, and they've got to... They're the kind of guys like on Star Force. They'd get two million. They're them. They're that good. Oh, oh we don't so, like them. So, so I know I'm always going to come in fifth at the best. I think I've come fourth, <laughs> fourth once. Yeah. Well, yes. I, I know why you haven't been playing Rapid Heroes because you've been playing Green Beret. I've been trying, mate. Yeah, There's trying. been a bunch of us on Twitter going for it. Um, yeah, it's been real fun. A real, real lot of fun. I've really enjoyed it. But for me, um, I've been under the knife. Fittingly enough, for uh, this show's Ooh. game, I've had a, a minor, a small, minor operation. All went well. I'm still alive. Uh, and I've been playing, <clears throat> researching for the podcast. Honest, Gov. I've been playing this game probably more than any of them. Mainly because of the the competition we got on Twitter with some of our friends, yeah. Because they were getting, I'm, I'm I'm reasonable at the game, and I've always wanted to do the game, and I've been playing it a lot, and I've always played it a lot, and I've been getting better and better. And 
these guys were getting much better scores than me, but not getting as far in the game. I was like, what's going on here? So I had to keep playing. So I've been playing a lot of it, actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I went to Alex's Nerdy Barbecue, which was attended solely by males in their 40s who like arcade games. Yay! Which is quite good. He did some very good sausages. They were really good. Yeah, saw some uh, good old faces. Uh, bought Alex two Newcastle brown ales, because that's customary when it's his birthday. Nuki Browns. Yep. Uh, he had his bar top out, the one I built him for the for the podcast, which he still plays. Yeah. It's still got loads of players. Well, everyone was playing um, uh, Crazy Balloon. They were really getting oh, into Crazy yeah. Balloon. They had a bit of a competition going on, which was quite good to see. The thing through the maze. Yes, that's the one with the spiky maze. I find that very difficult, that. It's a very difficult game. It's quite mm. fun, and it gets a bit hard later on. There's some little secrets in it as well. Yeah, it's a good, good game. A good old game, actually. Mm. I also made a converter loom for Cosmic Jeff. Really? My, my second Cosmic Alien. You know, I was trying to do it before you came down to see me that time, and I couldn't manage to do it. Yeah. I realised what I'd done wrong is I'd left a ground wire off the um, converter board. Oh, I hate which it when is, that happens. Which is actually the ground for the um, monitor. And when, when you know a little bit about it, and I realised that was it, because it wasn't actually marked as ground, it was marked as reset or something on the schematics, and I didn't realise. And when I realised it was ground, it was easy. It was just, it was, it, I, I'd actually got the thing right, but just left those two wires off. If I'd put them two wires on, it'd been fine. Right. So I've got Space Invaders in there now. Mm. So I've got um, Cosmic Alien on the right-hand side and Cosmic and um, Cosmic Space Alien Vaders, Alien Vaders, Vaders, Space Invaders. Cosmic Steve. That'd be Cosmic Steve, you reckon? Probably will be Steve, I reckon, yeah. So that's yeah. pretty good. So it's a different, slightly different game in there, but um, I can always just take the, the converter back off, put it back on again, and Cosmic Alien's back again. Cool. Brilliant. So that's pretty good. Get a bit more play in there. And it's only set on the P- 60 and one PC that's in there. It's a tiny little board. It's only set on one game, so it loads immediately. You don't see any um, silly menu screens, none of that business. It just looks like it's the actual game in there. So and is it decent pretending. emulation? Is it bang on? It is. It's very good because those 60 and ones um, were before MAME started changing the sound drivers. You know, you know, Space Invaders got that really tinny, arthritic cat type sounding. Oh yeah. Aliens. <laughs> 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 yeah. So, yeah, it's that. Yes, and I have uh, procured two wonderful things for the arcade as well, which we shall talk about later on. Quite excited about that. I tell you what, have you seen um, Atari Game Over? I. Which one's the Game Over one? It's about digging up E.T. from the desert. No, I'm yet to see it. I've seen it on on Netflix, but I haven't watched it yet. I was going to watch it the other day when I was ill. That's where I've watched it. Yeah, it's quite humorous, really. It's only an hour, and it's it's a good documentary. But did you know only ten percent of the games that they dug up were actually ET? A lot of the others were like standard Atari yeah. game. Yeah, it, it was a bit of a myth about them putting eight million zillion ETs in the desert. They they used to put all sorts of stuff. They used to dump loads of stuff in the desert. They dumped hardware, prototype stuff, stuff they'd shelved, paperwork, everything. So yeah. it, was, it was natural that some ET carts are going to go in there as well, you know, because mm. they could have used they could have reused the cartridges without the labels and stuff like that. So it's not they weren't going to just chuck loads of stuff away that was worth something. They're going to use it, I suppose. Yeah, I will watch. I might watch it tonight actually with wife. She's, yeah, uh, she likes that quite, thing as well. Yeah, my, I got my wife watching it, which is unusual, and she found it quite interesting. Oh, cool. And obviously, we talked about the Collectaholics business on the TV program with uh, Arcade Club on there, which is obviously giving them a big boost in people yeah, going there. It was a very positive show, I thought. No, no patronising look at these geeky collectors. I thought it was really good. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. I think I think because there is this massive resurgence of 80s things coming, 
and it is obvious. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm sure it's even more coming yet, which is cool for us. Um, yeah. yeah, everyone loves it, and you, you could actually mm. tell the presenters they genuinely looked thrilled when they saw it. It's like, <gasps> you know, who, who's got all this stuff? Wow, you know, they haven't, probably haven't yeah. seen that for twenty odd years. And they, they genuinely looked interested, and it looked like they were in good fun as well. And you were there, so you obviously saw if they were or not. Yeah, yeah, they were. There's a lot of younger people there as well last night as well. That must oh, nice. be. They must have seen the show and thought, let's go and play some of these games these old gits play. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. I saw a little bearded man wearing a very hip 10 pence arcade podcast T-shirt come through the door of that thing as well. I tried to get through the door first. I was second, weren't I? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you were waiting there about an hour before. Yeah. Another little thing I've done recently, um, I engraved a coin mech plate for Alex with a sheriff avatar on it and a western font with sheriff on it. You know, the the coin uh, part where you put your coins in on the machine. I've actually engraved it for him. He's got a stainless one he, he had made up and I engraved it. So I'll put um, a picture of that on the show notes. It came out really nicely. He's really pleased with it. Ah, excellent. Right then, I think you should give us some arcade news. Arcade news from around the world and local areas. One that's caught my eye, right? Um, we talked about last time the Midwest Gaming Classic Show in Wisconsin. Yes, we did. And someone's put a YouTube sort of, well, there's a couple of links to them, but there's one in particular, which is a half-hour walk around. So that's really interesting. Cool. And I did find out what Gandalf did after after Lord of the Rings. Yeah. He's playing a Stargate pinball. Well, natural progression, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, he was at the Midwest Gaming Show. That's what he must be doing because mm-hmm. he's killed all them orcs and he's on Stargate now. You'd think he'd ever go on The Hobbit. Mm. Right. Oh, yeah, I didn't think of that. And there's a Lord of the Rings pin, isn't there? There is. It's a good one. Lord of he's Springs probably, is an awesome game. I really like that one. He's probably just played them to death and he needs yeah, a bit of a change. Com- complete him, I expect. His old Gandalf. I hope he don't use his magic because that'd be cheating, wouldn't it? I see you've got um, a transparent acrylic uh, Mrs. Pac-Man. Miss, sorry. Oh, I'll get in trouble for that. Miss Pac-Man. Miss, yeah. Miss Pac-Person-Idge. Yeah, mixed feelings about this one. The golden age of video games exhibit in Neville County. Where is Neville County, America? Oh, it's near Trevor State, I think, probably. Yeah? Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. It's an old bit of news, this is, mate. I've seen this machine before. Have it's, you? Yeah, it's, right. it's, it's quite clever how they've done it. They've done it to show the insides of the machine. Yeah, that's the thing, yeah. But what they could have done is just took the back door off. Ah, ah, didn't think of that, did they? But it's it's quite a nice little thing, because I work with um, acrylic sometimes. I've done stuff out of Perspex before. And if I could afford that much Perspex, I could actually make one if I had a big enough machine. But that would have cost a fortune to make, because it's a very thick material as well. If you look at the video, though, there's all of the games in this this um, exhibit are fenced off. Oh, They're right. all bit behind them, you know, the little posts with the chain fences. Oh, that's so, good. You can't get in and have a Yeah, so you obviously can't play them, which is a bit... Sad, isn't it? Tish and pish. Yeah. Right, we're coming up to play Blackpool. Oh, you lucky dog, you. Next weekend as we record this, so I'll be there. I'll be helping um, Mr. RGP set up everything and then tear it down afterwards. Will you be helping play them as well? Well, that's the thing I'm much more looking forward to than moving all them very heavy cabs, yes. Yeah, absolutely. That's the that's yeah. bit I don't like doing. Yeah, yeah play Blackpool is always a good one. I've never been. I'd like to go, but it's a bit too far for me, and I've got a lot of stuff on at the moment. That's the problem. Yeah, if, it, if it's in the same room as it was before, this, well, huge, two huge rooms. It's a nice atmosphere. Mm. The lighting is quite low, so you get that kind of arcadey, oh, arcadey vibe. Yeah, yeah it, sounds, nice. it sounds really cool. I want you to report from there from us, mate. Yeah, I'm, go- I'm going to use my dictaphone, and I'm going to use my v- digital recorder. 
to uh, to go around and yeah do a walk around and speak to people and that excellente well done that man also the yeah. replay the replay people are also doing play margate as well as play blackpool on the 21st to 23rd of august i said you're a lucky dog for getting play blackpool and also play manchester that's not too far away from you but yeah we're getting play margate down in the yeah. down the south so i'm definitely going to that definitely 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 i was talking to alex uh, today so I, I did a little jaunt with him earlier to go and pick something up and he's going as well that's gonna be pretty nice good for us southerners and it's uh good of all the guys to bring all this stuff down this far down south Mm. And on the very same weekend, there is the UK Pinball Party, which is every year normally near Northamptonshire, where I'm from, Daventry Court Hotel. Yes. But they've moved it to Merthyr Tidville this year. Oh, that's quite a way to go, isn't it? Wales. Yeah, and that's on the same weekend, so some people have some choices to make there, aren't they? Margate for me, mate. Video games over pinballs, I'm afraid. Sorry, pinball. Yeah, yeah. Right, let's have a look at some modern arcade news. Yes, we've been having a bit of that for a while, so yeah, go mm. for it. Hit me. <laughs> Ow! That was, a, that was a virtual slap. It was. Can I have an arcade ping for that? Thank you, sir. Right, there's a company called Highway Pinball. Yes, they're very good as well. H-E-I-G-H, way, mm-hmm. Highway Pinball. Very innovative. Innovative. Uh, yeah, innovative. That's, <laughs> that's the word. I can't even say that. You know what I mean. And they've been putting LCD screens on the play field for a while now, but now they're actually putting them on the back glass. As well. The back boxes of the pinballs as mm. well. So there's a little uh, YouTube video of that. Cool. I'm not sure if I'd put you off, actually. There's there's one a game called Full Throttle where there's like, as you're playing it, there's a video on the back box of motorbikes going along right. tracks very fast. It must, must be tied in with the gameplay, I suppose. I think it's Highway Pinball that were featured on the Broken Token podcast a little while ago, and they're the people that make these modular pinballs. So they've got screens in the pinball play field that can change, and they've got the different parts that can be modular. They can move like targets around and, and uh, drop business and bucket shot things and flippy toppy plop plops. We think they are the technical terms. And all that lot, and they can move stuff around. So they can actually change the theme of a pinball for half the price of the pinball. Mm, so you can good, buy that. one set of pinball and then buy a kit for it later on and when you get bored with it to completely change the game. So yeah, really, really good, those guys. Right, the first Final Fantasy arcade game is called Final Fantasy Dissidia. Mm-hmm. It's gone on location test in Tokyo. Oh, okay. So we have a link to that. Yep. It's more like, I don't know, it looks a bit like Bayonetta to me. There's loads of running around and bullets flying everywhere. And oh, okay. And it's, it'll also have a PS4 port. Yeah, course. inevitable, because I, th- I think they're, they're tied in with um, with the Final Fantasy series, aren't they, to Sony? Yeah. It only, only comes out on Sony's done that. Yeah. That's pretty good. Um, the Arcade Heroes website, one of my favourites for the new news, it, they went to the Amusement Expo um, 2015 show in Las Vegas, and they're having a look through all the flyers. So there's a video of all, the, all, the, all these cool little flyers that are looking through, so there's a link to that. Cool. And also... I forgot to tell you. I think I forgot to tell you. Mm-hmm. At 8-Bit Flip, there was these Star Wars Battle Pod flyers going around. Oh, yes. Alex played that, I believe, in the yeah. the trade show in London at the Earl's Court one. These real, really, glossy, really cool. mm. real glossy four-page things. I was going to nick one, but I thought I'd better not. Ah, I, should under- I think they'd probably give them out, I expect. Yeah, I don't know who they belong to. I never did find out. They were just on a table. Yeah, I think they're just for taking. I think for yeah. hunters to take. Here's one that I've found. This is not new news. It's a Brazilian company called Imply. Yes. And they make EM games for the modern age. Yeah. And, 
some of these are really good. I saw the one in the video. I had a quick look at it, and it was the new one they're doing. It's like a sort of um, uh, a military air flying thing. And you've got these little handles you hold onto. It's your great big rods coming across the screen, across the table. It's like a sort of um, like a wide, long pinball table, and it's got holes in the table. And balls, different diameter balls, come across these little rods. And as you open the rods, they fall through. And you've got yeah. to drop them into holes. It looks quite fun. And yeah. There's all sorts of whiz-bang lights, and I think there's LCDs on there and all sorts. It looks really cool. There's a yeah, that, I think that one's called what's it called? I target, I I attack, I, I attack, attack. Yeah, they're all called I something. There's one called I target mm-hmm. where you've got a rifle. It's like one of the old shooting ranges. Oh, awesome! I like those old EMs. They're really clever. Little LEDs light up on where you, where you shot. It's all electromechanical in it. Yeah, really and they, clever. They've done about yeah, they've done about ten of them. I hockey, I monster, oh, wow. I run. I'll have to have a look yeah. at those. I do like. I was talking to someone the other day about um, EMs and how difficult it is nowadays to find them in this country. We don't really see them anymore. No. In the seventies, when I was a little tiny nipper, I used to see them all the time. They were like more popular than video games a lot of the time, mm. and they, they were like real because they were sort of getting phased out by the sort of late seventies, early eighties. They were often quite cheap to play, so you get one for five p a go or ten p or something. I think some of them were even converted from old money, you know, the old. 2D and stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah, they were always really cheap to play. So I always had a go of those. Liked them. Yeah. Also on the Arcade Heroes website, they've managed to get a glimpse of a Chinese arcade games trade yeah, show. Yeah, very unusual. So there's a link to that, and there's like ten or fifteen games. Some of them are like very westernized driving and shooting games, but there's yeah. some weird ones as you would expect. Hmm. So there's another link to that in show notes. Yeah, I looked on the video for that. It looks quite fun. It's quite a bit different even from the japanese arcades yeah they said that because they're very kiddie orientated aren't they because i think the, the chinese tend to really dote on their children and yeah. a lot of the, the things are kid kiddie rides there's one a little i think a little girl riding a sort of animatronic hippo around the arcade yeah i'd have a go at that <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> right, <laughs> and good news i'm going to try and get to this one oh, are Arc- you uh, yes, Arcade 3. I am going to try, but oh, I'm not that means sure. I'm going to have to go then if you're going. I've got to make an effort. Because in the little thing on UK VAC, he said, with a focus on more gameplay, which obviously I like. Yes. Because I can't even fix a sandwich. Apart from like a modder sandwich, I can't fix a sandwich. Mm. Absolutely. I, I can do a sandwich from scratch. Can you? Yeah. That's That's incredible. So then, let's do the competition winner, shall we? The competition winner is Phil Nez for Life again. He won the uh, PCB last time. <laughs> I'm not sure how many he got right. He didn't get all of them right, uh, but he got most of them. And the answers are 1942. I knew that. Amidar. Yeah. Bosconian. Yeah. Burger Time. Yeah. Crystal Castles. Bit of a tricky one. Mm. Flicky. Frogger. Flicky. Yeah, Flicky. Ah, right. I love Flicky. That's how I knew that one. Frogger. Yeah. Hubert. Yep. And the one that probably stumped most people, I don't think anyone got this one right, Uncle Pooh. Ooh. Because I actually put a little farty noise in when I said, um, I've talked about it before, and I put a little little hint in there, so I thought people might have got it because of that. I thought that was just you farting. No, no, that was Uncle Pooh. <laughs> but yeah, well done, right. Phil. Um, you have got uh, a mug, an arcade mug of your choice from arcademugs.com. So uh, I'll give you a special little code for that, and you can go and pick whatever one you like, mate. Free postage and everything. Well done. Well done. Okay, I think that's the news done. 
for this week. Let's go and do some pickups. I treated myself to uh, a PS3 game, me being all modern with me, me new fangled three station plays. I bought a game I had years ago on the PS2 I never finished, a game called Ico, or Ico. Yeah. And it's bundled with Shadow of the Colossus. It's the HD remake of it. Yes. I actually bought the um, disc of it. I didn't want to buy the sort of nothingness download. I actually paid a little bit more money for the disc. And yeah. it's, it's, it's a beautiful game. I got right back into it again. I really like it because I never completed it on the PS2. I never sort of had time to do it and never did it. So hopefully I'm going to get some time and do it. Really cool little game. I've never played Ico, but I played Shadow of the Colossus. Ah, I'm the other way around. I've never played Shadow yeah. of the Colossus. I haven't even tried it yet, actually. It's what I think. It's it's quite sluggish to play. It's yeah. I wouldn't say it's brilliant to play, but the whole idea behind the game and the, and the scale of the baddies, I think, is what sells it to people. Ah, right. They're Same. absolutely huge. You, you like you climb up their legs, kind of thing, oh, as right. they move as they're moving along, and like climb onto the back and then jab a sword into the brain. You know, like you do. As you do. Yeah. Nice. But the game, yeah, it didn't do it for me. Yeah? It, yeah. It's sort of, it's always known, I think I read it in um, Retro Gaming years ago, it was like a, a future classic sort of thing. And yeah. it, it looks absolutely beautiful. So is Ico. Mm-hmm. Ico is really nice. It's sort of like a, you're sort of stuck in a, in a gothic um, tower, sort of big tower, and you can't get out. And you, you meet this little girl, and, and neither of you can speak the same language. And it's, you've got to sort of get, Take, you take pity on the little girl and you've got to try and get her out. And there's these, like, these meanies come out of the ground, these like, shadows, and try and sort of drag her into the gun. And you just beat them to death with your stick. What do we say when we meet a man with a stick? Yeah. And basically, you've just got to sort of pull her around and make sure she doesn't come to any harm. So it's quite a nice little game. It's not, it's not yeah. sort of frantic. And there's a lot of puzzle solving, which I quite like, especially when you're sort of sat on a sofa and, you know, wife can help me and stuff, and she often does. It's quite cool. Mm. I've also got a springy shock mount with a big arm on it for me podcasting bits, so I don't smack me microphone out of my hand every five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I also got some replacement buttons for Harry the Jazzman Bolt Starblade, because uh, we had a bit of a problem with his oh. buttons, so I've got to try and help him out of that. Me. Yep. I've also ordered some black acrylic, 3 mil acrylic, because uh, I'm going to make myself a one-button joystick box for my 8-bit machines, my um, Atari 8-bit, my Commodore 64, my well, 16-bit, the, the Amiga 600, because I yeah. cannot get on with those old trigger joysticks. You know, like the, the Competition Pros, the Quick Shots? Yeah. You've sort of got like a flight stick and a, and, a, and a trigger. I cannot get those sticky bottoms that you stick to the base. I can't get on with them. I just cannot use them very well. I need, I need a proper ball-top joystick and a button. So what I'm going to do is actually make my own little button box with a button either side for left and right-handed use and just a simple button with a nine-pin um, cable on the end of it. So I'm sort of yeah. halfway through making that a work at the moment. It's going to be, look quite nice when it's all finished. In the Arcade Club's console room... Yes. Last night, I was trying one of them joysticks. I was on Hunchback for the Commodore 64, right? Oh, wicked game, yeah. Which I always think is better than the arcade version. It just it moves better, and it's smoother, and it's easier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, five minutes on that, and you like hold, trying to grab the base of the stick and then and press the fire button with arcade your left thumb. Arcade hand is never good. Arcade hand was coming on, mm, yeah. Never good. Also got a soft mod PS2 memory card, which... Uh, lets you play backups and you know uh, homebrew sort of things and all sorts of stuff you're not allowed to play on your PS2 normally. I haven't got around oh. to messing with it yet. I had a quick go early and I can't get anything to work on it, but um, I'm sure I will. That was from Les Soleil 70. So thank you very much. I didn't even know they existed until very recently. Oh. That's pretty cool. Um, my pickups, 
Nothing at all this week, I'm afraid. What? Right, the biggest pickups for me, I'll, I shall make up for your paltry pickups. <laughs> yeah. I got a new cab. You have. Alex kindly helped me pick it up today. I went to see a guy called Phil in Basingstoke. Uh, he's a very decent bloke, very decent bloke indeed. He's got a really nice collection of stuff. He's got it all under wraps. He hasn't got anything working at the moment. Uh, he's got things working. He's not got anything set out to play at the moment. He's going to be building himself a big um, new game room to put his favourite games in. He's been selling a few off. And this machine is a 1975 Atari Jet Fighter. Yeah, It's a black and whitey. And it's um, the reason I like this game is he sold an exact same machine to another friend of ours, Martin, Smarty. And I played his when I went to see him when he helped me out with my death race quite a while ago. And I really like the machine. It's really nice. And the machine was really cool. And it's just a lot of charm to it, you know? Yeah. It's just a very, very simple two aeroplanes on the screen and a score. That's all it is. Yeah. <laughs> but actually laid onto the, the bezel and on the, the strips of the side of the, the actual monitor, is like clouds. So you can hide behind the physical clouds on the screen. Yeah. It's a really cool little game. And you just got a joystick with a button on top and you just move the joystick around to fly around. I think you got um you can have like different timers on there. You just you have a timed game. I think yeah. you can play against the computer as well. And you just gotta shoot each other. It's that simple. But I got it home. It's um it's quite good condition for the, the Asian machine. It's really nice. And it's Phil sold it to me uh genuinely, he's never turned it on. Ever. Right. And I looked inside, he showed me it, I thought, oh, I... It looks all right. The board looks okay. The monitor looks pretty good for its age. You know, it's had a bit of a repair here and there. And I looked on the transformer. I thought, hmm, that transformer doesn't look too healthy. Oh, I always get a transformer. So we did the deal. Very, very good price for me. Excellent. Really pleased with it. Uh, took it home. Alex gives a hand taking it home. Got it home. Sort of get it all settled in. And uh, got the back off and give it a good hoover out first. Got all the dust out in case that's going to bother it. Made sure everything was all in the right connection. You know, everything's the right voltage and all that sort of stuff. Turned it on. Had a bit of a hum from the speakers. I look around the screen, nothing going on. Pressed a few buttons, see if they could get a coin up. No. Smoke coming out of the transformer. Oops, turn it off quick. <laughs> yeah. The magic smoke was released. <sighs> so, yeah, the transformer's toast. But that's all right. I'll, I'll sort that out before long. Hopefully, uh, mm. get that sorted. So, not too worried about that. And I've also got another cab coming when yeah. I can get someone to bring it to me. So, uh, we'll talk about that. We'll leave that for a later date. It's well, a very nice one anyway. I don't know what that is. You do actually. Do I? Have yes. I forgotten? We shall talk later. Oh, okay. Don't right. tell that. Lo- don't tell this lot. No. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's about it. I think. To be honest with you, that's I a lot of pickups. Think of any- I've got a few things. Yeah, some few little minor things as well, actually. Oh, and I broke something on my Commodore sixty four, so I had to buy another oh. bit for it. But it's fine again now. I felt a bit of a twit for doing it. <laughs> uh, it's the little dusty um, floppy drive emulator, oh, which right. I've actually got inside the machine. I hot glued it in the side. And what happened is some hot glue got on the top of it. So when I had to take the lid off again to do something minor inside, I had to sort of pull it off, and it was quite difficult getting it off. And it, it sort of mangled the top of the um, the SD card, the bit that holds it in, the sort of um, the mounting to it. And when I put it all back together again, it didn't work. So I was very miffed myself. I was very mm. annoyed. Um, but it was my own fault, really. It's been a bit clumsy, I think. Not yeah. usually for me, because I'm being an engineer, so I'm usually quite careful. But I don't know what happened to it. I put it all back together, and it should have worked, but it doesn't. So... And the thing is, I had to have another one because I've been listening to a lot of um, podcasts, you know, from Spritecast or Rob O'Hara's Commodore 64 podcast. Yeah. And he's talking about the remake of Donkey Kong Jr. Someone remade it a few years ago, not too long ago. And I thought, I've got to play that. And the only way I can play that is by getting on the side, just, just bolted and 
blew the money again and bought another one. About yeah. 28 quid on eBay, just bought it. So I thought, you know, it's not a lot of money to play unlimited amount of Commodore 64 games, is it? So no. I thought, bugger it, I got it. Right then, after all that mentalness with all the pickups, let's go and do some feedback. And we have lots of it. We do. Uh, I've got myself a little note in the show notes here. Remind me to get onto All You Can Arcade in California. Uh, All You Can Arcade are based in California, and they rent out arcade machines to users, not just arcades, to users at home. So say you wanted to uh, have a Pac-Man machine, you can actually give these guys a ring, and they will bring one round. And it's a certain amount of money every month, and you can have it for as many months as you like. And when you get bored of it, ring them up. I'm bored of Pac-Man. Can you bring me Space Invaders around? And they will, for a price. So um, they actually reached out to us a little while ago on Facebook. And because Facebook on my mobile phone isn't quite as good, the app, as the proper one on the computer, I I missed some of my messages. And I missed out on this. So uh, I will get back onto those guys. So thanks for getting in contact with those guys. And we'll hopefully have a chat to them sometime. And they can tell us about their business. Even though it's in America, it's still quite interesting what they're doing over there. I wish they, I wish they did that over here. That'd be cool. They could send us, I think, a couple of promotional cabs. I think some free samples. Yeah, that'd be quite nice, yeah, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'd have a couple, wouldn't you? Just send them in the post. Put a big stamp on them, obviously. Cause Massive stamp. Huge. Huge stamp. <laughs> so, let's go on to the real feedback. Hooray, banana, Eric. In response to the last show's a game that should have been in the arcade, he was saying that Stunt Racer was a great two-player when you linked two machines together using a parallel port on one of the old uh, 8 and 16-bit computers. Stunt Car Racer. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Silver Fox 0786, Sarge, regular listener and regular contributor. He explains a Monroe joystick is an eight-way leaf switch stick, but it rolls, rolls around. <laughs> I can never do that. Rather than just tilt. He says it, um, it appears on Gyrus, Time Pilot, and Rampage of all games. I'm yeah, just, although I'm not sure why Rampage would need a rolly stick. Because on, on Rampage, you uh, were just biting things and eating buildings. Is that Rampage? Yeah, that's Rampage. I'm yeah. thinking of Rampart. So Rampart was a trackball game. Also, yeah, joystick. Yeah. But yeah, he was saying that Quarter Arcade have sold out now. Because they're quite expensive to buy these uh, these Monroe joysticks. Yeah. He also liked Alpha One Ol's collecting stories, which was the, the big interview at the end of the last one. Um, yes. He's, he's, there's quite a lot of people that do like that, actually. Uh, and he likes old soft-spoken voice, rather like hearing ghost stories around an open campfire, <laughs> which was quite a nice way of putting it. Yeah. Uh, Nez for life, Phil. Great podcast. He had one dog walk, two train journeys, and not a dull moment. He would really <laughs> like to see all of Ol's collection in one place, but reckon that would need a really big venue. You're telling me. I've seen them all. It would. Uh, Benson Rad, listener four. Uh, thanks to Southern Rail's fine evening of delays, he packed in a large chunk of our podcast and was into the Alpha One interview before he even got home. He'd like to know who listeners one, two, and three are. That's me, Alex, and you. Uh, <laughs> he agrees uh, that the loud bass sound when you die on Frogger uh, and reckons he heard it a great deal when I was standing next to him playing at a mini revival. It was that stupid bouncy joystick. We got this white joystick on there one. It's nothing yeah. to do with my skin skill level. I'll have you know. <laughs> <laughs> he also goes on to say that there was another teacher on the UK VAC forum, a guy called Mike underscore D, who brings in consoles for the pupils to play and may also have a cab in his classroom. How cool would that be? Uh, he yeah. lets the kids play old stuff to try and help them make cool new stuff. He was looking forward to finishing off listening to old stories, which was the, the sort of larger part of the end of the podcast. 
Eric sent us some pictures of his classroom, didn't he? Of, yes, of, uh, he's the other teacher. He's a, um, a college lecturer. And he's got a couple of little bar tops there, hasn't he? Yes, that he made himself. Yeah, So brilliant. that's pretty cool. Ian Ski, he's going to try his hand at the competition, even though he won at the last round. But he said if he did win, he'd donate it to someone from the podcast thread on UK Vac. How cool is that? Very nice. Well, Ian Ski's got quite a bit of uh, feedback here, which is sort of skim over a few bits of it. After a late night last night and listening to it various times throughout the day, I have to say that the podcast are pretty spectacular. Not only was it a great game you re- reviewed, hey, what's wrong with the Euro cabs anyway? I love them. No, I don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the interview with Alpha One was totally compelling. Ollie, I think you came across really well in the interview, and what an amazing collection and stories you have. Big thumbs up. I have to comment on Cube Quest, though. I'm a big fan of Laserdisc games and got Daphne, the emulator, and all the Laserdisc images years ago now. I can't believe there was CubeQuest cabs in the UK, because it was a bit of an oddball on that. I yeah. certainly never saw one and only found out about it through Dragon's Lair Project website. I do have the CHD of it, though, which is the hard drive image. Yeah. To be ages to finally find it until every MAME ROM and CHD are now available on archive.org and play it in MAME quite often. What a great psychedelic game. I have plenty of feedback about this this podcast episode and stuff to talk about, but I think I'll post up separately, otherwise this reply will be too long to bother reading. <laughs> I don't know who how you were going to put top that one, but I thought the same about the Nintendo special, so who knows? Oh, yeah, well, I don't think we'll ever do a five-hour one again, mate. <laughs> so what is CubeQuest? I don't even know what it is. CubeQuest is um, it's a Laserdisc game. It's a really odd game, and they covered it on No Quarter a little while back, so you might want to go back and find that one. It's a really ah, psychedelic right. game they did. I, I've never liked the Laserdisc games. They're all very, very linear. They look amazing. Yeah. And they're obviously way ahead of their time, but the, the actual gameplay is rubbish. Never liked those games. Never liked them. Like to watch them, but I'd never put my 50p's in there. No chance. It's just trial and error, isn't it? You've got like maybe four directions yeah. to press. A lot of the time, yeah. And a fire button. Kind of just, yeah. It's a Twitch game more than anything. Yeah. But in reply to that, Alpha One oh, replies, Clarence Peer did indeed have a cube quest. And he knows for definite it would have been smashed up as well at the end of the oh, era. that's a shame. Bummer. And we've got Jeremy Knight. Hey, Victor and Sean. I just listened to 34 podcast. I wanted to write and say thanks. The podcast is getting better and better. I will no doubt re-listen to this podcast as I wait for the next one to be released. I really like the interview with Oliver. I have wondered in the past about the stories he has over the years of collecting, and he has more. I'm sure we'll get him on again. Anyway, yeah. thanks again for the great entertainment. Keep it coming. Thank Funny you. thing is, I talked to Ol at um, Alex's barbecue the other day. He came, and everyone said, oh, you know, he really liked your interview. And he said, oh, I hate my voice, ma, ma, ma. Everyone says that. Uh, and when I first yeah. started doing the podcast, oh, my God, I sound awful. Ol, you get used to it, mate. And you came across <laughs> really well. Um, you, you spoke clearly, quietly. Uh, it was interesting. Everyone loved it. So, honestly, mate, don't worry. It was really cool. Yeah. Uh, another Eric, Harry Banana, he's got a little picture of his classroom here, which I've posted up on the show notes. And he said he just finished it. Great interview with Alpha One. And pics of the World War II style Pac-Man and Dig Dug posters, which we're going to post up, which is in his classroom as well. He's got these yeah. like um, propaganda posters. I've actually got this set of posters myself, which I need to put up in my games room before long, because it's uh, sadly needing some uh, bits and bobs on the wall. They're clever they are. I hadn't seen them before. Oh, they're really nice. Yeah. So, Alex, Chucky Egg, uh, I managed half the podcast today, and so far it's the best you've done. Not because of the interviews, because, it's f- it, because it felt fresh with some nice new ideas. I've not yet listened to Alpha One interview, 
Well, that's the great aspects of podcasts. You can come back to them the next day, so you never feel like you're making them too long. As I'm totally just addicted to Smash Brothers right now on his uh, Wii U, I have to say it would make a fantastic arcade game. And I think someone else has said that before, because it would make a good mm. four-player game, wouldn't it, on a big screen? Or maybe even I more. I think it would. In the same vein as that ten-player thing that the Broken Token guys told us about, the Killer yeah. Queen game. Yeah, imagine yes. an eight- or ten-player Smash Brothers melee. That'd be pretty cool. It would be good. There's a guy called Tactical Genius. Good name. Uh, four and a half hours. Wow, the bar is set. I expect five hours next week. No, <laughs> that isn't going to happen. Uh, the interview with Alpha One was one of the most enjoyable podcasts I've ever experienced. I think he really came across well. Great insight into the life of, and let's face it, obsessive collector. I could feel his obvious pain at the ones he let go. Yeah. <laughs> there are always the worst ones. After Sean's tour plan epic, then this, we are very lucky. Oh, that's not it, isn't it? Um, I am Jimmy is put on, on the Tower Plan podcast. A great podcast. I had no idea those early games such as Slap Flight Slap Fight or Tower Plan. Looking forward to the next one. Yeah, yeah. When you when you sort of go back, because I used to play Slap Flight on the Spectrum. And I never knew anything about the manufacturers back then when I was a kid. But I knew it was a really cool shooter, but it was a hard shooter. But that's probably what kept us coming back for it. Yeah, I think it's probably years before anyone knew Tower Plan existed. Yeah, you know, I think so. Yeah. Because you don't yeah. really, never really notice the, the manufacturer. Well, you suppose you knew the manufacturers, but not the actual coders, I suppose, more than anything. Mm. You sort of knew the big names, you know, the Ataris and the Konamis and the Namcos and that sort of stuff, but maybe not the, the little in-house people who did it for other people, and they obviously they went on their own later on. Yeah. We have feedback from Pooh Man 2084 mm-hmm. He said, I'm just catching up with a podcast as my new job has a long commute each day. Oh, nice I must one. say it's fantastic to have a UK-centric podcast with two and then three in brackets, meaning all such passionate hosts. Thanks for putting the effort in. It is really appreciated. Listening to them in a short space of time really shows how you've made the podcast more professional each time. Mm. Ah, High praise uh, indeed. Yeah, can we have an arcade ping? Another one? For us. Yay! Yeah, yeah. this is the first two-ping podcast. It is, actually, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm going to give myself some more pings later on as well. You what? <laughs> One tiny moan, though. Oh, yes. Oh, go the on. Bit, the bit rate has really dropped in the more recent podcasts, and we did that for a reason, didn't we? Well, yes. Let's um, talk about the, the bit rate business. I'm not sure if it was a, a lower bit rate, which gave the, the lower quality, or the fact that I'd messed my mic up that weekend. And I think it was just my, my mic was low. But what we did, we dropped down to 64-bit, and I listened to it back the next day on my noise-canceling headphones at work, and I found no difference in the quality. I thought it was absolutely fine. So I think it might have been my mic quality. I had the, the setting done a bit low. So maybe that was my fault. I'm going to blame you, but it's my fault. Most podcasts are, if you look, they are 64-KBPS, yeah. aren't they? So if anyone can recommend maybe a higher bitrate, but not too high, to keep the downloads down, we'll do that. We'll have a compromise. I don't know. I could do 128, I suppose. Oh, yeah. People write in and tell us. What, see what you think. I'm not sure if it actually matters, to be honest with you. But I want, everyone to, I want it to be enjoyable to people. I don't want it to be you know, painful to listen to. But I listen to yes. it on these, uh, these uh, noise-canceling headphones at work, and it's absolutely fine for me. Yeah, voice, yeah, voice recorders are normally okay at 64, aren't they? Yeah. Really? Yeah. If you have, I think, 128 is about a minute for a megabyte. Okay. So if you have a 90-minute yeah. uh, broadcast, it's 90 meg, which is yeah. can be a lot if you're downloading on a phone or something. Yeah, yeah, maybe if they've got a, a not very good plan on their phone or whatever, you know, whatever. So yeah. I, I don't know. Tell us. Tell us what you think, people. 
Yep. Uh, Darth Nuno's put, funny, I don't really care anymore about traffic jams. We're listening to your podcast. Oh, nice. We're even sort of getting into the traffic jammy um, thingy. Yeah, that's good. I don't know what that means. Bobby Idog put, listen to this while working today. Good job. I have plenty of deliveries to do because it was satisfyingly lengthy with no shortage of girthy. <laughs> <laughs> Jolly good show, chaps. Excellent. Steve Ridley. Right, I didn't know this. He's put another great episode, by the way. Um, I'm the monkey chunk guy. We talked about ah. oh, f- perhaps five or six episodes ago about his podcast. Yes. And he says, I'm listening to this extra large show while I set up Mortal Kombat 10. Yes, Mortal Kombat X or Mortal Kombat 10. I have no interest in Mortal Kombat 10. I've oh, never been... had any interest in Mortal Kombat. Never liked them. No, you can't avoid it, though, in the gaming media at the minute, can you? It is everywhere. Is it actually come out in the arcade, or is it just a console release? No, it's just console. I think a lot of people will be putting it in cabs, I'm sure. I've seen one, seen one somewhere. I wonder if it's Time Warp Arcade that are doing it or putting it in a cab. Somebody More is. Likely. yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I think the reason it's getting so much publicity is because there's not a lot else out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, here's a really interesting one I got. I noticed this. Uh, I missed it for a little while because uh, there's a business with the, the Facebook um, messaging. wasn't too good on the phone. But, hey, guys, Scott Lambert here from the Underground Retrocade. Been catching up on your podcast since hearing about it from my friends at No Quarter. They actually sponsor No Quarter. And I'm loving your show. I shared you out to some friends earlier today, so hopefully you've seen a jump in your likes as a result. And we have. Thank you very much. Keep up the great work and consider yourselves family should you ever make it to Chicagoland area. You'll find us under wow. the sign for the tube. Cheers. I, I have got my sights set on Chicago for the Underground Retrocade, obviously, and also Galloping mm. Ghosts. And these are both yeah. mega arcades. They've all got, I think they've got hundreds of machines each, these guys. And they are well yeah. known as being excellent arcades. So yes, I would love to go there. Yeah, and I was quite surprised uh, hearing from them. It's really nice to hear from guys in America. Thank you very much. We have some more feedback from Ian. Yes, Ski. he's been writing loads of feedback. He, he says, "I really have to say, I'm loving a new format and the sections you cover. In particular, I'm enjoying the music oh, section. Nice. He's a big fan of games music, so that's mm-hmm. good. We all are." For the next podcast, I'm going to join in and play the chosen game. Oh, yes, good. we need some more competitors with our Twitter guys. Mm. We do a lot of them bits on Twitter, don't we? Yeah, for some reason, I always neglect to do this. So I'll make sure I'll give you my 10 pence worth in case you want to include it in any feedback. He goes on to say, regarding joysticks from back in the day, my favourite was the Kempston Competition Pro. They had a really nice feel, and micro-switches gave a nice, plausible response. Okay, I know leaf switches in arcades are preferable, but micro-switches in them days were all the rage. They were. You had to have a clicky stick mm-hmm. in those days, or you want anyone. I also yeah. had the quick shot and various <laughs> others, but the Kempston was always the most slick feeling of the lot for me. I don't know if that would be worth a go for you, Victor. I'm going to make my own one with an arcade parts. I had a quick shot. Quick shot one, I preferred over quick shot two. Yeah, I had both in the day, actually. I think I broke both. It was weird. I used to yeah. break joysticks back in the day. They weren't they weren't arcade quality. They were just plasticky things. No, they all used to break, yeah, didn't they? they? He's also mentioned he's got a console game that would like to make a decent arcade conversion. Sill feed on the Mega CD. Never played it. Uh, this is a quick. This is quite mm. a slick shooter with pretty impressive three D graphics for its time. Okay, it's a bit dated by today's standards, but the style reminds me of Xevious three D, or one of the latest shooters like R Type Delta. Probably my favourite in the series, apart from R Type One. 
he thinks an Azevius type cabinet would suit it really well with big striking side art, maybe something like Astron belt. It also has an amusing mm. speech number from an Australian guy saying, look at the size of that thing. When the first boss turns up, <laughs> which is made even funny when you see this ship is not that much bigger than your own ship. <laughs> he also says, you also ask people about what they've, what they've been up to, pickups, projects, etc. Yeah, we always want to know what you were doing with your arcades. Here's a bit about what I've been up to recently. As he's learned, with arcade cabinets, it's always one of three issues that crop up. Power supplies. Mm, we know that from my newest machine. Uh, monitors and PCBs. Yep, that's definitely it, Ian. Not surprisingly, really, as the kind of sums up the guts of most arcade machines, apart from the more fancy ones. Until recently, I had a lot of issues with power supplies, but now it seems to be monitors. Half the games I own have a lovely, clear, bright monitor, and the other half are blurry, wobbly, or not working at all. You don't want a wobbly monitor. Yeah. Yeah, that is it. That's the biggest thing, really. That's probably the most expensive part to go, if it anything goes. The next main job I need to do is service all the Wells Gardner 4600s in his Century Phoenix cab. When I first turn the game on, it takes about five minutes or so to warm up, then I get a decent picture. But after a while, it goes fuzzy and eventually wobbly. It also has curl at the side, so I'm going to start by recapping it and testing out the main voltages, then replacing other parts, like the flyback, if there isn't any improvement. Yeah, I think... With monitors, I think the best thing to do is find out one of the experts on the forums. There's a few guys do monitor repairs. Safely discharge it, send them the chassis, and let them do it. Let the experts do it. I don't try and get involved with that. There's quite a good few people. I think RGP's getting really good at um, monitor fixing as well. He's got right into it because he had so many to fix. Um, But I don't. I've got not many. And and Touchwood, they've been pretty good to me, my monitors. So, you know, I'm, I'm not too bad. He's also got a, a completely collapsed image on his Frogger. Oh, never good with a Frogger. Uh, he's got a thin horizontal line on there. Now he's got nothing. He had a bit of uh, electric, electronic burning going on. The magic smoke was released, Poof. which you never <laughs> want to see. He's also doing up a Gorf, which is nice. Gorf's a cool game. Suffice to say, the podcast really helps to get me more involved in the hobby, and I intend to give you a bit more regular feedback than it's on topic. Good. One of the best things about the podcast is it helps those who don't have the luxury of an arcade club down the road, you, <laughs> uh, to communicate and get together to enjoy these games and feel more like a community. So thanks again for all the hard work you guys are putting in. Much appreciated. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you. So that's about it for the feedback, I think. Let's do some shouts. Yay! Can I start? I've only got one shout-out, Do your out, really. little shout-out. Well, shout-out to everyone in the community, the whole world, and also to Alpha One for that fantastic interview. Yes. Really, really good, because I, I was actually listening to mm-hmm. it as the podcast was published. I didn't get a chance to listen to it before. Yeah, I wasn't a lot of time to review it, was there? Yeah, and the stuff on the, the Duke of Lancaster ship and, and hiring the crane and everything, oh, it's just no. amazing. It's just a light nightmare, and he, he pulled it off. So, yeah, yeah kudos brilliant. for him. That, yeah, excellent that was. And that's my shout-outs. Uh, there's a few for me. Uh, basically, the NHS for looking after me. I had a little uh, minor operation recently. Nothing to worry about. Absolutely fine. Their admin is awful, but their actual medical staff are really nice. Really friendly, looked after me. Really nice. So thanks to those guys and girls. Retro Domination Podcast. Someone called Darren Dasbork gave us some feedback on the Book of All Faces a little while ago, and suggested this podcast. So I've had to listen to that. I've put it on the show notes. By the looks of it, it covers all sorts of video game stuff. It's subscribed to it now. Beware the swearing on it. It's not family-friendly. Uh, and they're Australian guys. Oh, I have seen... I have heard this one. Yeah. yeah. So uh, It was good. 
what what did I quite a long one as well. Interview. I was some interview, yeah, I was I tuned in for on that yeah, one. Yeah. You've got notes in the show notes for that. Also, Bobby Idod for helping me out again with my sixty four, my Commodore sixty four. Uh, he helped me out with a mod to put a thing called Jiffy DOS in it. Uh, mm. I had to pull a chip, I had to unsolder a chip, I had to put a socket in there, I had to burn a chip, which he supplied the uh, information for me, told me how to do it, and uh, it made loading from this SD to IEC, which is a little SD card thingy, way faster. Because the original card mm. just emulates an actual floppy drive, and floppy drives in those days weren't that quick. A lot quicker than tapes, but they were still pretty slow. You could still wait over a minute for a game to load. And this yeah, does it in, yeah. does it about seven times quicker. It's really fast. So yeah, thanks for mm. that, Bobby. I did break me uh, SD two IEC though, which was my own fault. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, Phil Murray, who I went to see about buying a nice black and white cab, the one I talked about earlier. Him and his wife looked after me with coffee. Super friendly. Showed me around all the collection, which is really awesome. He's got a really nice collection. Hopefully, he'll get his mega games room built before long, and uh, I'd like to go and see him again when they're working. It'd be really cool. So it did a really good deal for me as well on that machine. I'm really pleased with it. Even though it doesn't work, don't care. Absolutely brilliant. Also, Rob O'Hara, who's the guy who, who looks, who's now the, the co-host on um, No Quarter, and he does loads of podcasts. He does Sprite Castle, and it's really his fault for making me rebuy that SD to IEC for my Commodore 64, because he does such a good job of speaking about the games and reviewing the games on the Commodore 64. I just couldn't do without it. I thought, yeah, I've got to buy it. So it's his fault. So thanks, Rob, for that. And thanks for the other podcast he does. He also told me about Bruce Lee 2. Someone's made a Bruce it. Lee. You've played it. Yeah, I've got it. It's a, it's a Windows download. Oh, really? It is. Yeah, the original Bruce Lee is quite easy, really. Mm, but cool, it is though. a classic. It's a cool game. Real nice graphics mm-hmm. and cool little music. And this is a lot harder. Oh, right. But it's, it's right in the spirit of the original. It's very well, well done. What happened is someone, as you said, did it for the Windows... And they also did yeah. a, a Commodore 64 version. Ah, did yeah, they? I haven't ah. played it yet. I downloaded it and I haven't played it, but it looks really cool. Mm-hmm. And to all the Twitty Twitty people who've been um, playing along with us on our game, some good scores as well, guys. Really good. And everyone was yeah. progressing, which I really like to see. There was Ben and Madsty and you and me, and there's a couple of other people in there as well. So that's yeah. really nice. Really cool. Okay, let's go on to our next section, which is... What console slash computer game should have been in the arcade? Yes. And going on from my little list of uh, other podcasters, and our favourite, Aaron Hickman from the Retro Obscura podcast, uh, he's suggested a game called Ollie Ollie. It's an endless skater. A bit like an endless runner, mm. but you're on wheels. Where you go from yeah. left to right doing grinds and tricks and non-stop scrolling. And you can also, it's sort of like a, a runner, but you're doing little tricks and you're trying to land the tricks properly so you, you don't want to fall off and land on your face and all this sort of stuff. But he was suggesting you could use some sort of rotary stick to pull off 360s and stuff when you're trying not to land on your face. In your face. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Would have done well in the 80s when skating was massive and there were very few actual skating games around. The only games I can yeah. remember in the arcade on a skateboard were 720 Degrees, from Atari, yeah. which I never really liked. And that was a really weird cab with a really funny, odd, windy joystick. And also yeah. the bit on Wonder Boy when you grabbed the skateboard. Yeah. Can you think of any other mm. arcade games at skating in? No. Even though I skating was massive during those days, why didn't they do skating games? 
Bizarre, yeah, isn't it? It's been it's been hard to um, think of something. Maybe yeah. there's a few on the on the home computers like um, Skate or Die, and there's a bit on California Games. You do some skating and stuff, but no real skateboarding games was there until Tony Hawk's came around years and years later on the PlayStation. Yeah, that might have made a decent arcade game, Tony yeah, Hawk's. Yeah, I loved a bit of Tony Hawk's back in the day. I just used to like not actually completing the game, it's just doing things and just messing about and doing tricks and yeah, yeah it was really cool and just exploring around the game. It was okay. It was alright. Um I've got an idea for a game, right? Which should have been in the arcade. I can't see why it's never ever been in the arcade. Pitch it to me. Go on. Right, here we go, right. You are this is good. You are a small green amphibian, right? Yeah, and what you gotta do yeah. There's traffic in front of you. It's a two, it's a top-down 2D thing. There's traffic in front of you. Cars go across. What, like cars and run. logs and stuff? Not logs, no, um, no. Not till late. You've got to run across the road, right? You've got to hop across the road without getting run over. Yeah. And then you get to, like, this middle safe point, like which it. remains safe yeah, yeah. for a little while. Every now and again, could something evil go along that bit, maybe? Um, I've not thought it that far yeah, through, yeah. Maybe, maybe. Just think about it. Think about it. And here's the twist, yeah. right? You are, let's say you're a frog. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I like it, I like it. You, frog, yeah, frog's good. You cannot swim, but the next part of the level is a flowing river, and you've got to jump on the logs to get to your little den at the end. So you're jumping on logs, you're jumping on yeah, little turtles, yeah. but you can't swim. So basically you're a retarded frog. It's t- it sounds crazy, but it might, it might fly. What do you reckon? Been done. I think they called it frogger. <laughs> no, I didn't have one this week, so I made that rubbish up. We've got Silphied from Ian Ski. We can put yes. Yeah, yeah we well, say Silphied. He liked the idea of that with the uh, the Australian guy. Look at the size of that thing. <laughs> anyway, enough of this silliness. Let's have a musical interview. Yes. What is it? This is good, actually. Mm-hmm. I- I've been looking, listening to some of the more sort of ravey kind of music that Namco did in the early to mid nineties, and in Rave Racer, right? Yes. There is a small piece of music, it's only 40 seconds, okay. but it's like a sort of a bit of a drum bass thing, and it's got the new Rally X music in the background. I like that music. Right, we've done the fun music. Let's get on to yeah. the meat and potatoes of this podcast. Yeah, this is da, 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 the featured game review. Lime Bertie, Green Beret, or in Japanese, Green Beret. <laughs> That's not Japanese. That was French. You must be on it, Green Beret. <laughs> yes, uh, also known as Russian Attack. And as yeah, we Russian call it, Lime time. Bertie. Bit of Bertie. And it sounds just like this. It came out in Konami in 1985. A good vintage. 
A fine yes. vintage, my dear. <laughs> it was a Konami GX577. Uh, all the 80s and probably some of the 90s Konami boards had a GX number on. And if you find a board on eBay or you find a board in a pile of stuff in a, in a warehouse, you don't know what it is. It's got a Konami GX number on it. You can find out what game it is. And Green Beret was Konami GX577. It's a Z80 game running at 3.072 megahertz using an SN76496 sound chip. I actually thought this game would be exactly the same hardware as Iron Horse. Remember we did Iron Horse a while back? I like that. It's a very similar game, uh, but it runs at the same speed, but Iron Horse uses an M6809. It's a year later than Bertie, and so does Jailbreak, also 1986. And most games of this era use an M6809 or a 68,000 CPU. So it's odd or nerdy that I noticed that Green Beret uses a Z80. Bit weird, isn't mm. it? Yeah. But the game doesn't suffer in any way. I've never seen it slow down. It's perfect. All the games I just spoke of use Konami's standard 36-pin layout as well. There's loads of Konami games that share this type of connection. It was almost like Konami had their own version of Jammer where they use the 36-pin layout. And um, Track and Field, right. um, Scramble uses it. These games use it loads and loads. It must be about 20 games that use it, if not more. And I've actually got my own one I made up myself, and I use it on quite a few different games. So I've got quite a few Konami games. It's an eight-way, two-button game. You use up and diagonal ups to jump, uh, and down to lie down. And one button is to stab your bayonet, or your global cheese knife, as I call it. And one button to launch the extra weapons when you pick up throughout the game. Yes. I actually own this PCB. And I was given it by my friend Sean Meldon. Because he hates it. And he just said, have it, take it away. And I was happy to. So thank you for that, Sean. And I'm still playing it now. The type of game. It's basically a run and gun, isn't it? It's an early run and gun. Yep, run and stab. Run and stabby stab. Uh, Left to right only. You never go right to left. You always go left to right. Uh, you play as a Green Beret called Bertie, probably, and it looks very much like you're a rushing a Russian base to rescue some captive you see tied to posts in a little cutscene at the start. I'm a bit worried about Soldier Number 3 in the lineup. He doesn't seem to be moving very much. Well, the other yeah, guys are wriggling. He looks that. a bit miffed, doesn't he? Yeah, I noticed that. I thought perhaps he's dead. Yeah, wriggling. <laughs> Use your stabby stabby to take out the different soldiers. I'm trying really hard not to call them Ruskies because they look Russian. They've almost got the fluffy hats on, haven't they, and the the Cossack dancing business going on. Yeah. I'm trying not to say that. You can take out special weapons guys who look quite distinctive. They've got the uh, the sort of blue jackets on. And you can pick up some limited weapons, which you use your second button for. These include bazookas, grenades, and an awesome flamethrower. You got flame. You only get three or four goes of the weapon, though. You don't get many. They, they, they run out pretty quick. And the flamethrower rocks. It really rocks. It turns baddies into... Skellingtons. Well done. You, turn, you, you, you sort of flame them, and they, they almost look like they've been zapped, and you can see their skellingtons for a second before they die. Yeah. You can duck down, or maybe just take a nice nap, because it does look, does look like you like lie down when you, when you go down, to evade the projectiles and the enemy soldiers chuck at you. Because they, they do shoot, the orange the orange jacketed guys, they will shoot at you, but you know when they're going to shoot at you because they kneel down. They stop and they kneel down, and you hear it, a yeah. bullet go, and the bullet goes quite slowly. So you can duck down to avoid those. And there's some other guys who chuck grenades at you as well, um, rocket-powered grenades at you. You can also jump up 
or across to leap across ground mines and also jump onto ladders. There is mines in this game which you can blow up. You can duck down and blow up with mm. the um, with the projectile weapons as well. But if you stand on them, you're dead. This can also be a problem when you jump to avoid something and you end up climbing a ladder. Because when you jump and you hit a ladder, you will cling to it and start climbing. And that's particularly mm. bad when there's the um, there's some bad guys who are in a light coloured jackets who will jump at you. And yeah. I do not like those guys at all. And you usually get hit by those. Yeah, you have to have... I, I sort of... If there's loads of bad guys coming, mm-hmm. I make sure I'm not near a ladder. Yeah, that, be careful Because yeah, you just you either go up them or down them. But or, if you're in the mid, yeah, if you're in the midsection and you've got to duck down because the guy's about to shoot something at you and you hit a ladder, you'll start going down the ladder and usually get hit in the face by the yeah, projectile. Yeah. You've got to keep going in this game because you are timed. Or there is no timer to actually watch, which is a bit... Mm. Uh, if a bad yeah. guy walks into you, he'll fist you in the face. In your face, Johnny Soldier! <laughs> and you also get these kung fu mods because they got like they look like they're wearing parkers. So I've called them the kung fu mods. Uh, you know those guys with the bowl uh, haircuts who like listen to sixties music. And yeah. they will kick you in the face. And you can also get shot by different multiple weapons as well. All of these will lose your life. There's no power bars, none of that business. You're dead. You'll have it. There are four levels to bust through before you get to the POWs. Whereas the NES version has a few more levels. I need to check that out. I don't think I've played the NES version before. And I cannot get enough yeah. of this game. I've been playing the Commodore 64 version. I used to play the Spectrum version when I was a kid. And I've been playing loads of it. Anyway, onto the levels. Level one is a marshalling area. You get normal enemy soldiers running at you, and also the blue guys who follow you up and down the ladders who will periodically kneel down and fire red and yellow lines at you, which are supposed to be bullets, I think. Not just any red and yellow lines. These ones are deadly. Deadly lines. Deadly lines. You do get a small number of Parker guys, angry Russian mods maybe who will do a kung fu kick at you as they run by. Either jump and stab them, or run under their kick, which is very difficult to do. Don't try and do that. I didn't know you could do you that. You can run under them, yeah. It's difficult. Ju- wow. You can run under yeah. them. Uh, there's one guy about midway who fires a mortar at you on the first level. It's easy to run under the under the uh, the boom and take him out with a slash to the elbow. At the end of the stage, <laughs> the screen will stop scrolling, and an enemy wagon will drive by, and a bunch of naughty soldiers will pile at the back. They can be dispatched very easily by your global cheese knife. You do get two angry mods, though. Just jump them, or if you've got a flamethrower left over, just flame them. It's easy to flame them. I think you get more points for flaming the guys as well. And you can get a, a pile ah. of them in, in one go, because when you, you shoot the weapon you've got, the, either the flamethrower or the, grenade, the rocket-propelled grenades, if you keep scrolling with it, it'll take out everything in its path, but it eventually gets away from you. But you can take out a load of guys in one go. Yeah, I, I did try that, yeah. Yeah. I like doing that. It's good. And when you do the level, uh, you get a little cut scene on our brave man clambering over a fence and leaping over to the next level. The next level being level two, Martha's Harbour. Well, it's just a harbour, actually, but I really like All About Eve, and they did a song called that. Did they? I wonder what that was. Yes. Same old thing again, but this time you get quite a few of the annoying mortar guys, and you get an increased number of the other bothersome baddies. More jumpy mods and some guys with bazookas. I think you even see one of the first grenade lobbers too. These guys have got orange jackets and they sort of do moonwalks. They slide around and they, they actually lob grenades at you. Yeah. Little, you know, over sort of uh, arcing grenades. But that guy on the second level is easy. You just scroll him off the screen if you don't want to deal with him. Or wait mm. for him at the bottom of the ladder. As he comes down the ladder, you just kill him. You also get two of the parachutists on this level and not those nice dudes we were rescuing in Time Pilot either. These mm. ones fire deadly red and yellow lines at you as they're descending. And when, if they hit the ground... They turn into angry mods. 
yeah the parking yeah. guys and they will do a kung fu jump at you so again kick you in the chin they will kick you in the chin easy way to do is go to the top of the level and lob a rocket at them from the from the corner of the crates you can stab them you know can't you if you're quick yeah the le- on level three i stab them yeah so they come quite close you stab them stabby stab 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 yeah but it's easy to live with a lot with a rocket i think if they do hit the ground as i said they're actually jumpy parker swines and they're probably listening to the who on the way down probably yeah. <laughs> when you get to the submarines in the background, you're nearly at the end of the level. When the level stops and you hear the familiar siren, a bunch of Harry Woofits and their handlers will attack you from both sides. Harry Woofits. Harry Woofits. <laughs> Remember, they first come from the left. When the guys come from the left, the dogs and the guys come from the left, stand up, stab them. Stab. As soon as they're down, turn round, lie down to the right and stab. And just keep doing this alternate, standing to the left, lying to the right, until they're all finished. Rinse and repeat. Yeah, you get three dogs, one guy. Yes. Turn around, three dogs, one guy, turn around, yeah. Easy peasy, yeah? Manage yeah. that one? I, I wasn't. I, I didn't like stabbing dogs. I tried to, like, make friends with them. Yeah, did you give them some pal or some winner, winner lot or something? Yeah, a big chunk of meat and stuff, but no, they just eat you, they just kill you. So in the end, I, I sort of conquered my anti-dog thing and I was stabbing them. They were pretty ravenous. <laughs> yeah, the the barking sound of the dogs is not particularly brilliant if you hear it. Bark, 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 doggy woof, woof, doggy woof, woof. It's, it's sort of like um, a beep yeah. <laughs> kind of thing, yeah. Let, let's just say they're um, evil mechanical robo-dogs. Oh, I feel better now. Yeah, evil. Level three, the airbase. This is where it ramps up a little bit. I've always come unstuck on this level and never reached in this level in a proper game before at the time mm. of writing. That's altered. Oh, no. You get the normal lot of lobbers, kickers, and general badasses. About halfway through, you get to a tall fence. You can only go on top of the fence. It's not. There's no split level. It's just bottom and top. It's quite a tall fence. Uh, and there are quite a few grenade lobbers on there, but there's a lot of jumpy guys on the ground. So I tend to go up up above and just get these two guys out of the way. And you get a few jumpy guys as well, but not as many. Yeah. There are a lot of ground mines to jump over while avoid, avoiding and stabbing enemies on the way. If you get past the long fence and get to a bridge area, you've got to the boss of this level. Did you manage to do that? I got to the bosses, but yep. that is as far as I got, mate. I did not kill the bosses of this level. Okay. Well, you get three gyrocopters, little gyro-y things. They fight you from the sky. They lob um, grenades out at you. If you are lucky enough to save some rockets, which you do get just before the, the end of the level, yeah, keep hold of them. You've only got a little way to go um, with, the, with your thing. And then what you can do is you can jump and hit them with a rocket. It's very easy to do. I even took out two with one rocket once by accident. If you uh-huh. haven't got any, you just jump and stab. Just make, let them throw their grenades, wait until they come down low, and just get them. They're quite easy to get. It's not that difficult at all, honestly. No, they kept bombing me. Yeah, you just got to get out of the way of them and get, them, get rid of them quick. But yeah. it's, it's a lot easier to do it with the, the grenades, the rocket-powered grenades. Yeah. There's only three to do as well. Easy peasy, I thought, that one. When I'd actually... To be honest with you, I got a, a bit of a confession. I actually, on the computer, I did a save state, and I practiced level three for about half an hour. Mm. And I just got in the in the in the gist of it, you know. I, I sort of realised what I had to do. You had to slow down a little bit on this level, wait for things to come, wait for the guys to lob the mortars, and then go and get them, stuff like that. And then the actual bit at the end, the gyrocopter is quite easy when you get the hang of it. It's quite easy. I, I did try the save state thing, but I just never, I never got it until 
a couple of days ago where I really slowed down playing it. Instead of rushing through, I, I sort of crawled through the level, so I did amass quite a few points. Yeah. And then you can see the guys come in a bit. You've got just that a couple more seconds, or say maybe one more second. Yeah, yeah, and definitely. You can, and to react, and I got farther then, but I think it was too late by that time. I don't think I've got a decent score to be yeah. honest. Well, we'll go on the scores later on because there is a bit of an issue with the scores, isn't there? But yeah, <laughs> that level you've got to slow down a little bit, and it, it is a bit of a memory game. You've got to sort mm. of know what's coming next, and, and I was using my grenades to take out the mortar guys. But you can yeah. just rush through and, and stab them. They're quite easy, but it's easy to do it that way. Mm. There's a bit of a, a sort of method to doing it. Right then, on to the final level, four, warehouse. I wonder if it's a super saver warehouse where I can get a nice cheap sofa from. I don't think there was any. I don't think there's any sofas in no. there. No. Yeah. This level is hard. It is actually quite hard. You get loads of really bad guys in difficult formations. They don't just send... They don't normally send more than about four guys on the screen at once. You normally get three of the, the normal guys and then a shooty guy from behind. And every now and again, you'll get in the mix, you'll get a jumpy guy. Yeah. Or you'll get a guy coming from the sky or whatever. But on this one, they send quite a few in different areas and there's loads of mines in the way and it is quite difficult because you realise you've got to take a mine out, but then there's a jumpy guy coming, so you've got to jump. And when you jump, you land on the flipping mine and just things like that were happening a lot. Yes, it did. You me. get... um a lot of those uh, Kung Fu mod parkers coming in threes, dirt bags doing synchronised jump kicks at you. You get multiple grenadists later on. How do you do the threes then? Just the three quick leaps up. You, yeah, you, well, you've got to do... Normally, the one guy comes with a bit of a space. You just do a, a straight-up-in-the-air jump kick, jump stab, sorry, yeah. and then jump towards them, and you'll get them on the way down. This game is quite lax with the hit collision. You can get them... As long as you sort of get stab them quite close and land on them stabbing, you'll take them out. Yeah, but it it does it does give you a bit it gives you a bit of a shock when you see three come together. It's horrible. <laughs> you get multiple grenadists as well. The guy lobbing the orange guys lobbing the grenades. They're a bit of a pain sometimes if you don't sort of if you if you keep running towards them you'll get hit. You've got to hang back, let them come towards you, and just stab them before they shoot again. Right. Yeah. You can run along three levels to try and avoid this lot. There's actually three levels to this part. Jump between the platforms while you go. It's quite tricky because of where they've placed the bad guys to catch you out because there'll be sometimes where there's a guy come behind you who will get ready to shoot you there'll be some guys in front of you and there's a jumping guy you go to jump and there's a guy shooting a rocket at you from the front you've got to be really careful how you sort of wait back and get the guys in the right order and it's quite difficult remembering it that's what was getting me on level three yeah Yeah, you'd, you'd duck down to get uh, to avoid a bullet, and then someone would throw a grenade on your back. Yeah, that does you'd, happen quite a bit on this you'd level. Jump up to get the mods, and then someone would shoot you in the back. Mm-hmm. And it happened a lot. And um, I got a bit frustrated. I got a bit sweary. Yeah, got a bit sweary. Arse. Well, on this level, after you got a load of that, what seems like a lifetime of a level. I don't think it's any longer than any other level, but it just seems like it. You get towards the end of the level, and you pass the prison cells where you can see Trevor, Dave, and Simon Soldier. Which are your mates. Yeah. That's what their names are. There's only three of them. I think there's four, actually. The other one's not very well remembered. He's the one poorly. Perhaps he died. No, 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 no. Well, if I, you've not... If I know you, he didn't die. If you've not rescued all four, then I think your score is invalid, to be I, honest. I rescued all four. All right, then. The final showdown is for three flamethrower-type dudes, which are a piece of coffee and walnut cake to kill off. They're really easy. Honestly. Mm. It's just simple. It's just getting there is the difficult part. Uh, either a bomb of some sort or a single stabby will take them out. If you have to stab them, 
what you do is you wait for them to shoot their flamethrower, which is a lot bigger than yours. You do a quick, quick up only jump, not jump towards them, or you land on them. Do an up jump, then walk, not jump towards them, kneel down and stab them. Get three of these guys out of the way. They come from left or right, whichever closest to you, and then you're done. Game over. Win. You see your man untying the prisoners from their poles, and you get a congratulatory message. Mission accomplished, and all the soldiers salute you. And you move on to the next camp. Much of a fun camp, though, is it? <laughs> the next loop is way harder. And on the first level, you get loads of jumpy Parker turds and more yeah. shooters and bombers straight from the get-go. Oh. So I actually managed to do this game. I managed to do it, it after, oh, how long was that? 30 years I've been playing this game. Yeah. And I've managed to do it today. And it was the last game I played before I come on to talk to you. And I absolutely freaked out in the games room. I was doing the, <laughs> come on, get in business. Um, but the thing is, which we'll get onto in a minute about the scoring and stuff, actually, the scores are not directly, don't, don't directly correlate with how far you got in the game, I think, unless you do certain no. things. Mm. So I did it, you didn't. Um, might not necessarily mean I've got a higher score than you. You have, you know you have. But you can actually do this game with a really good score and not get that far in it, to be honest with you. Yeah. Right, so we've got secrets and play tips here. Some some I actually found I didn't even know about, and they're not on the internet as far as I know. I actually found these out myself from playing the game. Yeah. Uh, what I basically say for the, the secrets and the play tips is use your weapons while you're running and as they scroll with you. So if you shoot a flamethrower, keep running with it, and it will take out everyone it, it passes. So you can take out a multiple load of guys in one go as it scrolls, but it obviously scrolls off into the screen and you know disappears. Yeah. But you can take out multiple guys. Did you know if you double tap right, you run at the same speed as the flamethrower and you can run all the way through the level? Did you know that? Oh, no. No, you can't. No. I wish I made, you could. I made You're dead easy. Yeah. Uh, a quick left and right joystick waggle while stabbing can take out a bunch of guys coming at you from both sides because they often try and gang up on you from both sides. And you can quick do a stab and, and waggle with your joystick and you get them from the left and the right quickly. And yeah, take out I, a number yeah. of guys in one go. I was using that, yeah. Don't jump while nil ladders unless you actually want to go up or down them. Mm. Uh, same thing with lying and ducking when on top of a ladder. Don't go down unless you actually want to go down it. Time your moves with mortars or grenades are being fired. Because you can see the arc. It's like when they fire a mortar, it's a blue, big blue thing, and you can see it arcing. And you can obviously run under it. But yeah. don't get caught under it. And don't hang around too near explosions because the, the explosions have got a bit of a field. So if yeah. you're right next to it, you will get killed as well. So make sure you're away from an explosion when it goes off. I'll tell you what I tried doing on level three, right? Because at the start, you've just you've got the ground and then you can go up, up, up upon the wall, can't you? Yeah. So I tried going along the wall and jumping over the bombs. Oh, you know, jumping over the grenades. Yeah, and it was actually... I, I did all right for a while, and I thought, oh, I'm going to stick with this, but then I just kept getting hit, so I went yeah. back down. I always find with the mortars, it's very difficult to, to go over them because as it's going up, it hits you as, it, as it, its trajectory goes over you. Yeah. But if, it's, if you're going under it, you've only got a little bit to miss. Mm. And if you time the guy's... You know, when the guys are running at you, you stab them out of the way and then go for it and then just stab the guys you get to him. That's one of the easiest ways to get rid of them. Yeah. But sometimes you can be stabbing the guys. If there's three, you're stabbing them. By the time you've stabbed them and trying to move forward, you're hit by the mortar. Yeah, but if you if you go under the mortar, you're safe. You can stay in there for as long as you like. 
Yeah. The mortar's always going the same place. The guy's pretty stupid. He didn't, wouldn't change his mortar around. The grenade guys, the orange jacketed guys who throw the grenades at you, don't run towards them when they're throwing grenades. Or you will, you'll let them land on your head. Yeah. So let them fire them, and then they'll run towards you and just stab them off. They're quite easy to do. Yeah. It's quite difficult when you, when you first see them. You, oh, my God, they're chucking grenades at me. And they're sort of r- running around all over the place. But just let them do their business. Come towards you and just take them out. Stabby stab. Mm. Uh, and the dog level, we talk, talked about that. You've got, to, you've got to know which way to go. If you If you are standing when you should be lying down or lying when you should be standing, the dogs will make mincemeat of you. Mm. Nom, 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 nom. They will eat you. But that one's fairly easy. Just rinse and repeat. Yeah. We also found out about an additional bad guy in this game late into playing, didn't we? Yeah. While playing with some of the uh, Twitter guys, they were point-scabbing. And I know this because they were getting quite high scores and weren't even getting to level three sometimes. So what you can do is you hang around and just kill guys off. Loads of guys will just keep coming at you, keep coming at you, keep coming at you. But you won't get the usual hurry-up. Vood, 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 hurry-up business. Yeah. And what I think they, they realise, they think you're taking the mickey out of them. And what they'll do is, after a little while, if just normal guys just keep coming, keep coming, you'll get a series of jumpy guys coming at you, which yeah. you don't normally get on the first or second level. So you realise something's wrong. And after a while, if you keep doing it, you'll hear this... And a jet will come over and fire a bomb at you. Yeah. I never knew this happened. I've never seen it in the arcade before until, like, last week when I saw it. So you cannot hang around too long point scabbing because they will have you. But you can yeah. do it a little bit to get a score. Which, if you sort of take twice as long to do it, you'll get away with it. But if you get the hurry up and you get to the end of the level and you do the level, you can actually still die before the end of the level. It will I still know, be hurrying up. I've done it a few times. It really yeah. bothers me. Yeah, you can, I, I, I was trying to sort of inch through the level, which is how I managed to eventually get to the end of level three. Yeah. And that builds your score up. But yeah, you do get that hurry up sign and then, yeah, then you're yeah. sort of panicking. But yeah, you can't do anything about it because the last bit of the level is a certain length of time, isn't it? So yeah, you're dead. Yeah. yeah. But the, the hurry up I knew about, because I've obviously played the game before and it took a long time to do something and realised you just die. You just die. That's it. You're just dead. Yeah. But the thing with the, the jet plane, I never knew about before. And I think even if you get to the end of a level, the jet plane will still keep coming. You won't get the end of level baddie. The jet plane will just kill you. So you've, you've taken the mick. They're not having it. You're dead. You lost your <laughs> yeah. life. So you've had it. So don't do it. Simple I, as that. I thought, I've only seen it once and I thought it was undodgeable. Maybe you can dodge it. You can, you can keep running. If you keep running, yeah. you can miss it, but it will get you. Because it keeps right. coming. It will get you eventually. Right. So your opinions on the graphics, sound, and gameplay? Uh, g- good, yeah. Yes, I liked it. 1985, it looks like 1985, doesn't it? Yeah. And sounds nice. like 1985. Yeah, decent animations, nice chunky-looking They are, aren't they? Graphics, yeah. It's on a 29-inch like screen. I was playing on hardware, yeah. actually, on the arcade cabin. It was really nice. I really like the military-type backgrounds. It looks like a, you know, a silo, a missile dump, and... You know, a warehouse and a, and, a, and a bridge scene, all this sort of really, really cool. Yeah, it is. And you can, you can, there's loads of little red telltale flags everywhere, which is sort of giving a bit of a nod to the Cold War from the 80s, yeah. the US and the CCCP were involved in. I like the sirens and the sound effects and the stabby, and I like the stirring military drum riff. That's my rubbish rendition of it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I really like the sort of military sort of uh, the sort of drumming, 
when you're playing the game. You're really rousing tunes between the levels. And there's some different tunes on level three and four as well. When you get to level three and you're level three, it's got a different tune when the, the yeah. little, when he jumps over the fence. And they're quite rousing tunes as well. And it's a bit of a sad tune when you die. And also, when you put your name in the high score table, you get the great escape. That's it. The great yeah. escape. Yeah. But it's not quite as good as the Iron Horse tune with the banjos at the end. Yeah, I think... I love that. I think the whole game, to be honest, is not as good as Iron Horse. Well, I know you love this game. Hey, what do you hey, think? Get out. What do you think? Do you like it? Do you like yeah. it better than Iron Horse? I I do, because it's a, I, I found it before Iron Horse. Yeah. Back in the day, I found it before Iron Horse. And I loved it, and I played it on the Spectrum. I don't think I had Iron Horse on the Spectrum or the Commodore 64. I've got it now. I haven't played it yet, but I've got it now. Um, Iron Horse is a more complicated game. You've got a little level you can go up and down as well, haven't you? Yeah. You can sort of move in and out of the screen. And yeah. there's a lot more to it as well. There's a lot more to Iron Horse, I think. I like and it's it. a harder game, I think, as well. Really? <laughs> yeah. But I really like, I really like um, Green Beret. And the fact that I actually managed to complete it today... I am over the moon with it. I yeah. thought I was going to do it early in the week. I thought, oh, I've done level three now. And level four, when I sort of did the, the save state to do it, I thought, you know, at the end, it's quite easy to do. But getting there is the hard part of level four. It's quite difficult getting there. But yeah, really, really pleased with the game. Really loved it. Anything you think would you change? A couple of things. Obviously, the timer we talked about. If you could see the timer, if you could see it. Definitely. You need a timer. If you're going to have a timer, you need to see the damn thing, surely. Yeah, you've just got a bit of a hurry up. I don't know yeah. how long that lasts for. Is it 30 seconds, 20 seconds? It seems about that long, yeah. yeah. I think so. Also, I would like to be able to change direction mid-jump. Yeah, me, I suppose. You, you the leave, thing you is, could... yeah, I've, I, I've, I had so many deaths where I jumped the wrong way, especially when a jumpy guy was coming for me. Yeah. Yeah, if you could make the game quite a bit easier, I think, if you did that. That's what I'm. That's what I'm going for. <laughs> <laughs> Fair play. And also, when you die, you respawn. I would say maybe two or three screens back from where you died. I haven't quite worked it out. Yeah. So you have to do the whole section again, which is one of my things I don't like. But yeah, it's a bit boring, is it? Also, when when you when I do the game, I do the game in a certain order. You know, I sort of know where I'm going, know what's coming next, and I've memorised up to level three. But level four is quite difficult. But level three, I've memorised all up, and. If you do get caught out by accident and then you think, oh, I can't get, you know, there's not a bit where I can get a, a grenade. I need the grenade to do this bit. You can still do the, the game, but it's a lot harder without doing it your own method. You've got to say, oh, God, I've got to do this. I've got to jump and stab and go up there and down rather than just plow through doing what you, you know how to do it. Yeah. And it is, it does make the game quite difficult doing that when you missed out a bit and you think, oh, God, I've out of sequence. I've got to do it slightly different. So it is a bit difficult that bit. Yeah, then yeah, those couple of things. I think it it is a good game. I know it's a good game, and I really struggled with it. I just found it very hard, and it, yeah, it suddenly occurred to me to take it a lot slower. Yeah, you got to slow down a little bit and plan plan your yeah. stabbing. <laughs> yeah, and I think maybe if I put more time in it, I could do it. But I don't know if I've got the the motivation to do it. To be honest, oh, I have. <laughs> yeah, now, now I've done the game. I might never ever play it ever again. <laughs> But um, I think this game is stabtabulous. Oh, that's brilliant! Ooh, you made a new word. Just a minute for me. How many? Ping? We on four? We are a four ping podcast. It's a, it's a big ping podcast. This one. 
also if you had the like you said about the timer if you if you knew where the timer was, you could actually you could actually point scab a bit better. Because if you hang around just getting guys, you get two hundred points for most guys, and you get more for the, the sort of higher rate guys. You know the guys who jump and the parachute yeah. guys and all this sort of stuff. You could actually work out how long you could hang around the level. Uh, and also, you've got to be careful if you sort of hang around and don't continue on. When you get like I think it's three lots of the green jumpy guys, the mods. Yeah. That's when that plane's coming. So you do not want that to happen. You can actually sort of plan it. And then when you realize you've only got like, say, you know, 20 seconds left, you can just whip to the end of the level, do the level. And that's it. The dogs take a little while to do though. You've yeah. got to wait for the dogs to come from both sides. But the first guys, you can get off quite quickly. And even the, the gyrocopters are quite quick. And the last guys are quite quick. But you could actually, you could plan your point scabbing if you did that. Yeah. But when I was playing the game earlier, I know how to point scab, and my best score, I did a bit of that on, but I actually got quite far in the game. I got, got sort of halfway through level four as well, so I was doing quite well. I wasn't point scabbing as such, but I was slowed down a little bit. And, yeah, you could you could sort of get a, a lot higher score if you wanted to, but you are limited with the the, the jet pli- plane coming past and the timer and the as well. the timer, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, little, little tiny niggles for me, but I think they're features. Not niggles. <laughs> I'm not having anything said about this game. I love it. I oh, know. What kind of stick did you play this with? I started off with the X Arcade stick. Yeah, that's your sort of slightly stiffer one, isn't it? Yeah, I found it a bit too stiff to play. I found it a, it wasn't quick enough to react to the dogs at the end of level two. Yeah, you've got to be pretty quick, haven't you? Yeah, so I went back to the Hori stick and I was doing better. But yeah. because it's a loose stick, I was sometimes jumping diagonally forward instead of jumping straight up like yeah. you said. Absolutely. You need a little bit of a stick, this one. Yeah. Uh, and if you make something go wrong, your result is a biff in the chops. So, yeah, definitely. Uh, no quarter also, I just noticed on here, they covered this game on no quarter, no quarter 41 ages ago. And they, they went into quite a bit about the Cold War theme because in America, this game was called Rush and Attack. Play on words for Russian attack. Yeah. Uh, so I encourage people to listen to that as well if you want to hear a bit about that because it didn't really bother us, did it? We, we were Green Bray over here, so I, I knew the game. Didn't know it was Russian attack. It was always Green Bray for me. Yeah. But um, I think it was one of those classic cases where the Japanese programmers, given what they thought Americans wanted in 1985, hence the name Russian attack, stabbing Russians, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. Was um, Rambo out at this time, or First Blood, the first Rambo I film? I think it's that kind of thing, and the Commando, yeah. and all that sort of, yeah. All yeah. that sort of, the, the bad red guys against the, the good old red, white, and blue boys, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Cabinet art, alternative titles, and differences in different territory cabs. This is another one, which is, it's a kit only, really, isn't it? No real cabinet, just a kit. Yeah, conversion kit was quite nice. And it's quite interesting. I, I looked at the manual for this, which I've popped on the show notes as well. After the first page, you get like a nice military-like picture uh, with a sort of you know a guy with a, a gun and stuff, like a military guy. Uh, Kami are appealing to arcade operators to help Child Find Inc. to help find parents, local authorities, and the FBI to help find missing kids. So that's sort of a campaign to help kids, you know, uh, missing kids in the arcades and stuff. Right. So I thought it was quite interesting. I've never seen that before in an arcade business because you used to get the FBI warnings on some games, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, winners don't use drugs, kids, all that sort of stuff. But I never knew about this. I suppose um, arcades might have been a place where, where runaways hang around. I don't know. That sort of oh, thing. Oh, yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. 
also there's a nice conversion of what looks like a Williams cab, maybe a Moon Patrol or a Joust on the Clov link on our show notes. The art is quite nice. Uh, you've got soldiers firing rifles, etc. on there. And it's full top to bottom side art with a nice marquee. Screen bezel, a nice control panel overlay. It's an upright only. I don't think it came in cocktail cabinet. Never saw it in a cocktail cabinet. I suppose you could always put one in. I'm not sure it's got a, a, a selector on there, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've also included the Green Prey Flyer, which isn't too brilliant. Uh, <laughs> no, it's U- not great, is it? It's dull, isn't it? Uh, then the US Russian Attack one as well, which shows some really cheesy uh, set of Poindexters playing the game on a super cool made-up camouflage cab. They've obviously done just for the artwork, which looks really cool. Have you seen that? I haven't. I'll have, have to have a look. Have a look at the show notes. It's really cool. They've, they've got a camouflage cab. Uh, it's obviously been um, either painted or, or wrapped with a camouflage. And then they put the artwork over the top of it. And it looks really yeah. cool. But the people playing it are proper 80s hair models going on. <laughs> it's really cheesy. The um, I think it was it must have been a Commodore 64 and Spectrum cassette version. Yeah. The the little inlay for that, that had a really good little cover, better than the flyer. Yes. I think it was the Ocean Software or someone that Imagine. converted it. Imagine. Yeah, yeah. the same company. Imagine you used to do the arcade uh, games. I think Ocean used to do their sort of home home ones. And that's yeah, a really, really, that's a really, really good nice. cover. Yeah, yeah. it's really cool. Much better than the actual arcade flyer anyway. Well, there were a few ports and sequels and spin-offs and that sort of thing. Uh, the sort of sequel to this is POW. Prisoner of War Missing in Action. It's another uh, Konami game, which came quite a bit later on. It's got a similar kind of feel to it, but you can actually play co-op with another player and you can get different kind of weapons. You can get like machine guns in it and stuff. Yeah. I actually used to like playing it, but it's not really a spiritual game, I think. I always thought that the follow-up to this was um, Iron Horse, because it's such yeah. a similar game. Yeah. And I really like Iron Horse. is a great game. It's a super game. Yeah. So, yeah, I didn't really think... But also found out the official follow-up is called Green Beret Expatriate, which we'll speak about in a minute. Mm. Yeah, Iron Horse, we covered back in 11, Podcast 11. So if you like this game, listeners, go and listen to Podcast 11 and play Iron Horse as well. It's awesome. And yeah, you beat our scores, didn't you? Me and Alex were playing it back then, and you beat us then, I think, as well. Muppet. Yeah, that, yeah, I enjoy that. That is one I really do want to finish. I remember it getting really tricky. I it think it's got hard. I think it's got five levels where this has got four, something like that. Yes, it's got a few more levels, and they do yeah. get quite difficult later on with all the bombs flying around and stuff. Yeah. Well, the game was ported to the Commodore 64, Spectrum, Atari 8-bit, the MSX, the Commodore 16, the Amstrad CBC, the BBCB, uh, the NES got a really good port, the Game Boy Advance, DS, and Xbox Live uh, arcade version, also mobile version. The versions to note for us were the Commodore 64 version, uh, which, which is I awesome. had. Yeah. yeah, I've actually got it now still. I was playing it the other day. Uh, as is the Spectrum version. The Spectrum version is just monochrome, but it was a really cool little game. Real good. And the, uh, the one bit I liked on the Spectrum version, it wasn't on any other version, is because the, the Spectrum version was monochrome, and it's quite difficult seeing who was different kinds of soldiers because there wasn't any colour. Yeah. The actual jumping guys used to do a little hop as they came towards you. They used to make a little hoppy noise. So you knew they were going to jump at you. So you could oh, jump. Oh, that's kill. clever. Yeah, it's quite good. So I can't remember. Those guys. Can't remember on the Commodore sixty four version. How did you do your extra weapon? Because obviously you only space got a joystick. Space bar, of course. Yeah. yeah Same as Defender when you used the um, hyperspace. It was space bar as well. And drop zone and all them. Yep, yeah, the, the trusty space bar. Trusty space bar. The NES version is very good. Apparently, it's got additional levels. I think it's about seven levels. So I'll oh. have to get into it. And it's got a secret level as well. Apparently, I think the Famicom version's got a secret level. 
Uh, I do know the Atari 8-bit version is crap. Is it? <laughs> it's awful, because I actually waited up and saved up for this game and when it came out, because the Atari 8-bit didn't get a lot of releases as you know, as much as the Commodore 64 and the Spectrum and the Amstrad over here. I think in America they got quite a bit. This one was quite... And I, was, I loved the game in the arcade. Loved it on the other version. Like, oh, I'm going to get on the 8-bit. And it's absolutely... I think I saved up nine quid for this, and I bought it, and it was, abs- it was so let down. Awful. Oh. There's also been a few remakes over the years, and the new one, which is uh, like a quite a, um, only a few years ago, uh, for the PC, which was called Expatriate, released for the PS3 and Xbox 360 in 2011, and it's kind of like a two and a half D thingy. Oh, I looked it up on on TubeFace, and it's pap. It's a really really dark game, and it's far too gory. Yeah. It's not good at all. I don't. Re- if it's a gory horror game. Yeah, I accept that. No problem. No problem with it at all. And I love horror films and all this sort of stuff. But it's just, they've really gone overboard on the gore. And you can do like special stabbing moves, which is horrible. There's blood everywhere. It's just, meh, it's not good. And you can't even, I bet you can't even flame them into skeletons. Cause, no, you need, yeah, you need a good skeleton in a game, don't you? Yeah, you, you and, really and, do. And this new version is more of a sneak em up than a run and gun, in my opinion. A and stealthy this, thing. Yeah, there's too much, too much focus on the gruesome stabbing your enemies. Because on, on the arcade version, it's very cartoony violence. I know you're stabbing people and you hit people with grenades and stuff. But when you stab a guy, you just get a little splat on the screen. That's it. And the, the guy disappears. And if you yeah. get him with the flame, he turns into a skeleton and disappears. There's no sort of gruesome blood flying out everywhere. and It's not like that at all. So it's quite a friendly game, even though it's you know, violent, I suppose. Right. It's the scores. We're not missing this bit, mate. We are not missing this bit. <laughs> right, before we do our scores... Yes. Uh, have you got Twitter friends scores as well? I do. Excellent, well done. Do you want me to run, run through the order? Well, I'll just do Mike and Carrington from No Quarter 41. Yeah. Our, uh, our American counterparts, our chums over there. They've got some good scores. Uh, Mike, well, Mike got a good score. Mike got 127,200. Very mm-hmm. decent. And yeah. Carrington got 51,100. Yeah. <laughs> right, the scores on the Twitter. Um, Andrew Driver, yep. who, who we've just befriended, he got 33,000. I think, to be honest, he only played it once. And Came thought, to the party mm. late, I think. Yeah, we'll let I him think he happen. thought, nope. nope. Um, Vip, Ben, he got a very decent 132,610. And that's because we we went from we went to the Twin Galaxy settings, didn't we? Because Mame changed yes. the settings. Yeah, there's extra lives on different. Uh, I think it's fifty thousand and a hundred thousand, and then every hundred thousand. Yeah. But the Twin Galaxies one and one my arcade ball was already set, and I thought it was standard. Was thirty thousand, then seventy, and then every seventy is it? Every, yeah, every yeah. seventy. So the amount of levels we were doing you sort of get the same amount of lives anyway. So it didn't make any difference. You just get them at different intervals. There's no yeah. difference, I don't think. Right, then came me yep. with 168,260 getting to the end of level three, but never completing level three. Boo! Boo! Pink Boo. for you anyway. Good score. And then madsteed.com. Yep. He got 173,480. So well done to him. He's in second because I know you've won. Go on. Go on, right. what have you got? The score I got today when I looped the game, actually did it, I got 182,920. And the actual score I got where I got halfway through level four, didn't quite finish it when I was doing a bit of points gabbing, 
186,820. <laughs> Give myself so lots of pings, pings there. So many pings. Oh, well done. I am controller of the ping. I, I'm not so worried about the high score. I'm really, really, really ecstatic that I actually completed the game. I'm really pleased about that. I don't need to play it ever again. Yay! And you can now say, go on, you can say it. In your face! Stabby, 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 stabby. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, absolutely brilliant game. Really enjoyed playing it. Got right into it. Loved the fact that everyone was playing with us as well. Hope they do for the next game. Yeah, it makes it really enjoyable. It's really good atmosphere. Super duper, yeah. Really cool. On the tweets. On the tweets. On the tweets. Yes. If you want to, if you want to join us in with us on the forums or on the podcast or email or Facebook, please do so. We'd love you to. Well then, let's got that game out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> let's do the art of side art. Why don't you check these mothers out? Hmm. Mm. Right. The first one, we've got the obligatory Atari oddball, a game called Orbit. Mm, what can you say nice. about this game? It looks like. Is that like a tempest, a tempesty kind of cab? It's, well, yes, it is actually. Uh, it's yeah, quite yeah. a sloped thing. It's not quite as sloped and pointy as Tempest, but the thing with this game is the immense amount of buttons on it. There's yeah. go on, count them. There's fourteen Atari cone buttons on this game. Yeah, and that's just to, to set the game parameters up, isn't it? Before you play it, it's a really rubbish game. Is it's it really poor? I thought it was a vector game, but it isn't. It's a raster game. It's a version of Space War, isn't it? The old yeah, um, Steve Russell game. The actual cabinet is beautiful. I really like it. It's really sloped. It's got a real thin marquee at the top with Orbit on it. Really cool font. It's got full-on side art. Really colourful sort of... Um, it almost looks like the big cartwheel spaceship from 2001. You know that one? Yeah. It's, it's on really the side. Nice. Yeah, it's really sort of like a perspective angle looking at it, and you've got explosions going on, and you've got all these millions of buttons everywhere. And it's a really nice-looking cab, really odd-shaped thing. And the, the screen's quite sloped back as well. And obviously, as you said, it looked like it looks like a Tempest cab, but not quite as pointy at the back. Yeah. Really nice-looking cab, rare as well, very the rare. control panel kind of reminds me of Asteroids with them little banks of colour. Yeah. It does. Yeah. But the little cone buttons, which are synonymous with Atari games, there's 14 of them on there. And these, <laughs> these buttons are about £15 nowadays to buy, if you can even find them. I think wow. someone's reprone them now, but they're, they're quite hard to find sometimes. Wow. So that's the normal <laughs> obligatory Atari thing we do. How about this one? Original Scramble. Not that gaudy Zack nonsense. We've got the original Stern stroke Konami Scramble in the yellow cabinet. I know someone is going to give you a Chinese burn for calling Zach nonsense, you know. Oh, no. I know. Two of them, two of them are it. coming around your house. I know. I know. I know. Chinese burns left, right, and center. <laughs> oh, not center. That'd be bad. Oh, no. <laughs> anyway, this the, scram- the real scramble, the proper scramble. Yeah. Uh, the cabinet looks quite similar to a berserk. Slightly different shape, but the cabinet is bright yellow. Uh, and it's got a two-color artwork on the side, which has been stenciled on. And, and sprayed on the side. And it's yeah. got sort of a guy with a helmet and a spaceship and rockets going behind him in red and black or orange and black. The marquee is a really quite a tall marquee with Stern and a really cool 80s like tube writing, you call it. A real cool tube font with scramble on it. And it's got a full colour bezel all around the screen with all sort of things going on, explosions and what sort of stuff. And it's got the... Uh, the stick in the middle, red stick in the middle with buttons either side for ambidextrous play. 
Uh, really cool cab. And because it's yellow, it really stands out. It's not. It's kind of creamy. It's kind of 70s kitchen cream, I would yes, call it. Yes, it is, isn't it? I'd, I'm I'd not say so that, keen yeah. on the colour. I'm not so keen on that, but I like, I like the it. artwork. I think it's really good. But there's also, that, that. I think that's, even though the picture I've got here has got Stern on, on the marquee, it was obviously made by Konami, and it's got the really nice stenciled side art, there's another version, which I called the Stern version, which has just got a great big stenciled black Stern on the side, which is really dull looking. Really sort yeah. of brings the cab down a bit, I think. If that mm. was me, I'd paint that and, and put the stencils on it. Yeah, they are, they are nice, those. Mm, nice cabs. Okay, let's do your bit. Releases from this month in history. Yes, right, we're going back. We're way going back. back. Way back, way back, way back. We're going to have to do a little jingle or something. I thought you do a little dance then on the webcam. Yeah, yeah. Do, 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 do. Right, we're going back to April 2015 years, Mars Matrix Hyper Solid Shooting yes. by Capcom. And it was developed by Takumi, which we all know is an offshoot of the lovely Toa Plan. One of your favourites. Oh, yeah. I think I might have mentioned that a couple you of hundred have. times. Yeah. But this one is good because it's got the rendered graphics. Yep. You know, like the Donkey Kong Country style of that yes. lovely rendering. Mm-hmm. But it's got one fire button. So I remember playing this. Oh, and really? Thinking, What's the problem with a one fire button, especially for a game, so a shooter so late in the shooting cycle? That is odd, isn't it? But it can do four different types of shot. Okay. Yeah, you, you've got, you hold the button down, you tap the button uh, for different shots, and then there's also this power-up bar, and you can hold the button or tap the button at different stages of the power-up bar to do different things, bombs, oh, shots. Yeah. So you've got four types of shot from one fire button. Mm, cool. Pretty good, that, isn't it? Yeah, it's sort of almost cave-ish, like, isn't it? Obviously getting yeah. that way, wasn't it? Right, we also have now, going back 25 years, is it 25? Yeah, oh my word. Ooh, 25 oh. years, April 1990, Rodland by Jalico. Yeah. I had this on the Amiga, and I really liked it. It was a real colourful, you know, larger-than-life game, and there, there was a lot of sort of drab Amiga games out at the time. Yeah, sort yeah. Sort of dark corridors and stuff, and, mm-hmm. and this was full of colour, so I really liked it. It's kind of a bubble-bubble kind of thing. I always used to get this mixed up with uh, Rainbow Islands. Yeah, similar. I yeah, always you... thought it was part of the same series, but it's a completely different manufacturer, so it's totally different. Yeah, you can build ladders with this one. You've got a button that just makes a magic ladder, and you can go up like, you know. I, I was using a magic ladder the other day, doing a guttering. Yeah. Aluminium. But still magic. I wouldn't say it's magic. I'd say it's shiny at, at most. Mm, cool. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, but the good thing about this game... Oh, yeah, you've got a magic wand, so you can grab the guys and bash them to death. Okay. You throw them over your head and bash them to death. Yeah. But the good thing about this game is when you finish it, it has a sequel already built in, the Japanese version. So it starts again. Right. How bizarre. And, I know, and they're saying the sequel is called Rodland Tozetsar... Toza Sareta Sekai. And oh. it becomes available on completion of the first game, while the graphics and enemies and level layouts have been changed. The gameplay is the same. Oh, wow. Yeah, so... That's a bit of a weird thing for an arcade, because they wouldn't want you to, you know, plough all the way through it and then play it again. want to get yeah. you off, you'd think. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's like wow. a, you play it again, but things have changed. Yeah, mm. it's like... Um, they're good. And they're going to give it under the mention to an April 1990 game, oh, Smash TV. Smash mm-hmm. TV from Williams. I'd buy that for a dollar. That's a great game. I was playing that last night. It's very good. It is excellent. Yeah, fun. Yeah. Silly, well, but fun. 
Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's good sense of humour in that. We're now going back to April 1980, and this is uh, Warlords by Atari. And they've got the cocktail version at Arcade Club, and it it gets a lot of play, and there's a lot of shouts and cheers when they're playing it. Yeah, four-player cocktail. It's no wonder it gets a lot of play. It's It's really good, yeah. Mm, Nice. Yeah, and going now way back to April 1970, obviously no arcade games, but I found an EM pinball. Yeah. Very orange. Very orange. Completely orange, called Jive Time. Jive Time! Yeah, so it's one of these pinballs I like, nice and simple. And the theme is Jive, which I think was a lacquer, 1970s. Silly dance. Silly dance. Yeah, I think it was. Great. The name of that is so cheesy and cool, I may have to go and look at that soon. Jive Time. You can look at it on the Internet Pinball Database, IPDFPC. MPF2F. Link in the show notes. Yeah, thank you. And that's it, yeah. Going back 45 years there. Right then, we've got to do next show's game. Right. Well, you know which one I think, because I think it's... um... Is it your turn? No, we're doing a listener pick, aren't we? Oh, then. Go on. Yeah, because we did yours last week. Last okay. Time, sorry. Didn't sure. We? So how about Lunar Rescue? Because we keep mentioning it. Yeah, it's it's a favourite with listeners. I mean, it, it went down really well at one of the shows. Uh, everyone was around at Cranwick playing it. I think we'll get a few people playing it as well, which would be quite nice. So you reckon Lunar Rescue, yeah? Yeah, Taito's Lunar Rescue, listeners. Get on and play. It's amazing. Let's see if uh, Ol plays it. I think he'd be good at this, won't he? You are, at the moment, slightly better than me at it. Well, I'm, I'm not. I count, aim to change that. I'm not going to count that score because it's not part of the, this competition. I got fifteen thousand nine hundred and forty. Yeah, I think mine's about thirteen, fourteen, maybe a push. I so think that, all, yeah. all slates are cleared. We're starting afresh. I think that were quite good. I don't know if I'll get up there again, but I'm going to try. Yep, Lunar Rescue it is then, people. Lunar Rescue, yeah, get 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 on it, lads. Ladies as well. Ladies, yeah. Hey, hey, ladies can play Lunar Rescue. So, uh, goodbye from me. Yeah, and goodbye from me. And I hopefully see you, see some of you at Play Blackpool next weekend, 2nd, 3rd and 4th of May. I'll be there at least two of the days, I think. Yeah, make sure you come and give Sean a arcade Chinese burn. No, no, just just sort of say hello and give me money. Yes. And on that note, (laughs) thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you. Goodbye. What about a blooper? Dedicated to the Intellivision and Harry's Corrections robot. He's dreamy. Sean, I need to go and do something a second. One second. All right. Hold it there. Listeners, Victor's just buggered off. Uh, leaving me here to fill in on the ten pence, uh, five pence of the ten pence arcade podcast. I'm looking at a blank room where Victor used to sit. Uh, what else have I been up to? Oh, I've, been, I've done tons, me. Tons. Not a lot, really. Oh, he's back. As you were. I realise I, realize I locked wife out. <laughs> She's out on a around. run, and I um, locked the door behind me when I came in, and I was all excited about Green Bertie. Right, where were we? Mm. You can download or play the podcast, read all the show notes, and leave feedback at www.10pencearcade.co.uk. You can email me at vertvic at 10pencearcade.co.uk. You can also reach us on our Facebook page. You can tweet me at 10 and you can tweet Sean at Sean Holly. We'd love to hear from you. For game suggestions, arcade pickups and stories, or any of your personal thoughts on anything we may have covered. 